People, 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 what is up? I am Andy Shaver, and this is The Big Honker Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We've got kind of a crazy episode for you today. But before we get into any of that, let's thank our sponsor, Dive Bomb Industries. Dive Bomb has the absolute best silhouette in the waterfowl game, bar none, not even close. Dive Bomb Industries has goose decoys, duck decoys, crane decoys. Basically, if you're hunting them, they got a silhouette for you. And they have all these great products at an even better price. But for listeners of this podcast, Dive Bomb is going to sweeten the pot for you. At checkout, use the promo code BIGHONKER, all lowercase, and that will save you 10% off of your purchase. Guys, go out and get the freaking decoy spread of your dreams. The more you buy, the more you save. It's simple math. I've done it. I'm a Texas Tech graduate. Trust me. Go fill that shopping cart up. Use the promo code BIGHONKER. Voila, 10% off. Also, make sure that you have followed us on all of our social media channels. Stanfield Hunting Outfitters, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. On Facebook right now, we have a four-man goose hunt giveaway that we're, that we're going to run uh, we'll probably pick a winner sometime right around the 4th of July. So find it on our Facebook page, follow the rules, enter to win, no tricks, nothing like that. It's going to be a completely free four-person goose hunt giveaway, lodging and meals included. On this episode of the podcast, we have Coyote Man Clay Reed. He is an absolute wild man. Uh, he plays second at the National Predator Tournament. The guy knows how to kill coyotes and predators alike. He's also got a hell of a hell of a backstory. He had a hell of an upbringing, and this was an absolute blast to record. So sit back. It's a long one, but I guarantee you it's worth it's worth every second. And it's not like your drive to work's that much fun anyway. So sit back. Here he is, the coyote man, Clay Reed. Here we go. Three, two, one. Boom. Welcome to the Big Honker Lodge. I'm Jeff Stanfield. Big Honker Lodge. God damn it. Son of a bitch. It's just a habit. Three, two, one. Boom. Welcome to the Big Honker Podcast. I'm Jeff Stanfield. I'm Andy Shaver. And we are live at Studio A at the Big Honker Lodge. And we have a special guest today. We have the Coyote Man, Clay Reed. The Coyote Man. From Archer City, Texas. Which is about an hour away for all you northerners that don't know where Texas is. Archer City. How big is Archer City? Yeah, it's like eighteen hundred nowadays. Eighteen hundred. I moved there. It was twenty eight hundred. Now it's eighteen hundred. I'm running them off <laughs> pretty fast. Now, Clay, you're an interesting story. You are a varmint hunter, and you're a pro staffer for Fox Pro. Is that correct? Yeah. We have field staff guy. Field yeah. staff guy. Yeah. yeah. And you're famous in Virginia. I'm hearing now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I get <laughs> up there. I didn't. Uh, you know, we went up there and hunted that Eastern contest, and heck. And I was like, what in the heck? And here, there was a bunch of people sitting there waiting on me. Hey, you the coyote man. I said, how in the hell do you know who the coyote man from Texas is? <laughs> well, my my buddies Benton Bowman and uh, Kyle Crickenberg, a couple other field staff guys, 
apparently they were filling them in pretty regular. But it, it was kind of cool. Now, you you, var, you do varmint contests all over the United States. Yeah. Now, last year you went to Nevada, I believe. and hunted, Well, Utah, uh, hunted the worlds. I hunted, let's see, uh, I won the Mexico State Championship, won the Arizona State Championship, got second in the world championship in Utah. And then we got uh, second place at the eastern United States of Virginia. You you hollered at me this fall looking for some land. I can't remember was it was it Wyoming or Denver or Colorado or something. Yeah, well when I when I first when when we first figured out we was gonna try to hunt the worlds, me and Mitch, we we my deal. I left I left Archer City one day. I said, Mama, I'm leaving. And I left and headed off, and I went to Arizona. I, well, I made it to a truck stop in Arizona. And I was sleeping in the parking lot there, and then my buddy said, well, come over here. And I slept underneath his carport for an hour and a half. And then I hauled butt to Vegas, got up, left, drove all night to basically Nevada. And my deal was I was going to try to find some cow country to hunt, you know, out in the western states because the hunt was out of Utah. Well, then I wind up doing all that, and I went to Nevada, found some good cow country, and then I decided I would drive all the way to Colorado in the middle of the night to see my boy who was stationed at uh, Fort Carson in Colorado Springs. Hell, I get up there and they won't let me have a license because I ain't got a uh, the hunter certification. Yeah. Well, here, you know, it's 1971, so I don't need it. Well, up there, it's 1948 or something, so everybody <laughs> needs it. And I was like, what the heck? So anyway, I didn't get to hunt, but that was my deal. But so, uh, so, but but then when I got back, I said, I got to thinking, I said, there ain't as many coyotes out there as there is in Texas. So I told Mitch, I said, Mitch, he goes, you found us some country? I said, yeah, but we're not going out there. He said, you just drove 3,000 miles and you're not going to hunt out there? I said, no, we're going back to Texas. I said, we can kill more in one day out here than we can in two days out there. Mm -hmm. And he goes, well, God dang, we got to <clears> drive. And I said, yeah. So what we did was we flew into Salt Lake City, Utah for the sign-in, and then we flew back, and I got up 3 o'clock that morning. We hunt, started hunting at daylight in Texas, hunted all day Friday, and then jumped in that pickup, and I drove all night, and I made it to Moab, Utah by daylight, and we started uh, hunting there, and there ain't a coyote alive in utah because they got a 50 yard they got a 50 dollar bounty on the coyotes in utah if you kill one up there i mean because if you see one on the road run over they're picking it up really because of that bounty so anyway we killed 16 and which was good enough for second place but that's the good part now the bad part is my other buddies nathan spencer and laramie white cowboy buddy of mine they were going to go hunt in idaho and they said well you ready to hunt I said, yeah, but we're going to hunt in Texas. Said, so basically I told them, I said, Nathan, do you got more coyotes in uh, Idaho than you got in Texas? He goes, not even close. I said, well, why in the hell would you drive all the way to, go all the way to Idaho? And he goes, I said, he goes, man, that's a long drive back. And I said, well, you either want to be the world champion or you don't want to be the world champion. That's right. And so they they did it, and they kicked my ass. So, so you, have to, you have to check in at – at what time? Set it up for everybody listening here. So you do a check-in at Friday afternoon. Is that correct? Well, this was on Thursday. Thursday, it's okay. It's a Friday and Saturday hunt. Okay. You got to be. Uh, yeah. So they. Uh, uh, yeah, we hunted. Uh, I guess it was Thursday. No, it was Friday, Saturday. Yeah, that's what. It was. 
you we flew in to sign in on Thursday. You go to this big banquet, and they had a big deal. They held us there like ten hours, and uh, so we go up into this deal, and uh, and then we that's when we flew flew out of Salt Lake City back to uh, Archer City, and then we hunted so we can be ready to hunt on our dirt in Texas Friday morning. We got in that night at like midnight, you know, in Texas, in Dallas, and drove back to Archer City and got ready to hunt that deal. So you hunt Friday, hunt Saturday, and uh, you got to be back, I think it was like 4 o'clock Saturday was the weigh-in. Got to have all your animals in by then. And so by the time we got out of there, it was like 10.30 that night. By the time we did all, I mean, they did, it was it was ridiculous. How many it, boys from Texas were hunting in there beside y'all? Two. Just yeah. you and Mitch? Yeah. No, well, me, Mitch, and Nathan, and, uh, yeah, Texas went first and second. Well, that's that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But, but, but so it's, it's the same kind of setup as you do here. You got to be there to check in. Yep. And then you got to come back. Do they do a polygraph test and all that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they got to have polygraph. I won't enter a contest unless they got a polygraph. Didn't you run too into many, an too issue? Too many cheaters? Somewhere with some cheating guys? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's all... You know, when you get the money has gotten so good and they're running that the contest deal because there's always, you know, and there's always going to be somebody try to beat the system. Sure. That's like San Angelo down there. You know, they've got 719 teams and everybody asked me, hey, why don't you hunt San Angelo? And I said, well, you got 719 teams. I guarantee you 19 of them trying to beat the system. <laughs> and it turns out that this one bunch from Oklahoma was doing it. And, uh, of course, me and the – me and the San Angelo guys were making adjustments to rectify. Same with my contest. They cheated in my contest two years in a row. They've got a, a, a group of guys up there. Of course, we've told the right guys. And these guys are going to get their ass kicked before it's all over with. Now, I, I, you know they might be listening. We've got a lot of I Oklahoma listeners. They are listening because <laughs> if I ever run into one of these eight guys or eight of these guys, they're all going to get ass whooped. And the reason we found out, my buddy – well, I won't I won't divulge that information because he, I don't want to throw him under the bus. But anyway, a buddy of mine found out about it, and uh, they told him. He said, "Now you better watch out on Clay Reed." They said, "I grew up with that son of a gun. He will whoop your ass, and he's good at it." <laughs> and, uh, and he said, uh, "He said uh, he goes, oh, I ain't, I, ain't, I ain't scared of Clay Reed. I'll kick his ass." He said, "Well, all you got to do is show up down there because I guarantee you." <laughs> He said, one of these days, he's going to find you out. And he said, Clay does not forget that. Death. And neither does a bunch of these other guys that I know. I got one buddy that lives not too far north from these guys. And if he finds one of these eight fellers, it's going to be an ass whooping. Now, you got screwed around in Oklahoma on a deal, didn't you, one time? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was – and, yeah, and that that had a polygraph. And, uh, and it was a crooked hunt with the polygraph. We pulled up there. Me and Mitch hunted uh, – which we had hunted up there five years in a row. We we well the year before they got a stupid ass rule up there. You can't uh, uh, you can't have a loaded gun in the vehicle. Which we talked to the gun, game warden up there and they said, well you can't have a loaded uh, uh, gun on a private on a public road. Right. And they said, but on private property it doesn't matter. And I said, okay. So we we told these guys anyway. They said, well we're gonna we're gonna make it. You can't have a loaded gun in a vehicle at any time. Well, that year, the third call, the third call of the hunt, I drive 10 feet with a loaded gun in the, in the pickup. Well, I told Mitch, I said, we're done. He said, what do you mean? I said, 
I just drove the car and I forgot to unload my damn gun. And he said, oh, no. And I said, no, rules are rules, and that's it. So anyway, our hunt was done. Well, then the next year we hunted, we, me and Mitch killed uh, four on the first call. Damn near killed five. So we knew we were in pretty good shape to draw a check. Boy, then we got on a roll. Hell, we had 10 coyotes by noon. And, uh, you know, the most ever been killed in that hunt was 13. And we wind up killing 14. And... Uh, and then we hauled butt up there, and I mean, and we had wrote on the window, unload gun with shoe <laughs> polish because we knew we are fixing to win about yeah. $9,000. We get up there. Of course, it was a very windy day. Bad day for hunting for most people, which for me, I like I like the wind. Some of my best days have been a windy son of a gun because it distorts your uh, scent. And it, uh, it, it hides your, uh, the hearing, you know, it, mm -hmm. it hinders them. So you can set up in the wind, and everything's about set up. And so, and we had a good day. We pulled up there. Everybody's got like two and three. Well, the old drunk guy that's running the deal comes up there, which he hated Texas, because Texas had won that booger damn near every hunt. Well, he comes up there, and he looks at them deal guys, old cigarette in his mouth, he goes, Ain't no fucking way. I said, what do you mean there ain't no fucking way? You see the son of bitches laying on the goddamn ground. And he turned around mumbling and walked off. Well, I kept an eye on him. He walked up in there, and it was at an old oil field shop up there. And he goes up in there. Well, he gets the polygraph guy, and the other guy was helping him run the deal, and they walk around the deal. So I get on the other aisle, and I'm listening. And that guy, he tells me, he goes, ain't no fucking way them motherfuckers ain't got they kill that many goddamn guys. Everybody else is coming in here with twos and threes, and they come in with 14. You going to tell me that? They're telling this to the polygraph guy, which he's supposed to be unbiased to anything. So they're influencing the polygraph guy. And uh, so I come out there, and I told Mitch, I said, Mitch, these guys are fixing to fuck us. He goes, no. I said, hell, they can't, can't do nothing to us. That sounds just like Mitch, too. Hey, no, <laughs> we, no we, we're good. We're good. And I said, bullshit. And I told him what was going on over there. Well, he uh, sure enough, they come over. Usually, you draw high card to see who takes the polygraph. Guy comes over to me and he points his finger and he said, "No, Clay Reed's taking this polygraph." So I said, "I don't give a shit. I've taken a hundred of them. Ain't gonna bother me, off. So I go in there and I get on this deal. And the guy, he said, "Boy," and the polygraph guy should get shitty with me right here. You need to go wash your hands. Those hands are dirty. I'm Handling dead cows. What the hell do you think? <laughs> so I go in there and wash the cow. And what he's doing is trying to get me irritated. And he yep. did a good job. Yep. Because I come back in there. And uh, he says, uh, he goes, where are you hunting at? I said, oh, we hunt down in Texas. He goes, where at in Texas? Uh, Wichita Falls. And he goes, well, actually, you know, Archer City. Goes, what is it, Archer City or Wichita Falls? Don't start lying before I even get you on the deal. Oh, I said, I ain't Jesus. fucking lying. I said, if you want the truth, I'm hunting on a ranch out in the middle of goddamn nowhere. You want a GPS coordinate? Where? <laughs> I said, so now he's he's now, trying to get me right. Now you're irritated. He's got me irritated. <laughs> and so anyway, he was, well, that's a long way. And I said, it's two hours. I know exactly how it's been hunting here five years. And uh, so anyway, well, okay. So he puts me on the deal. Do all the questions on there. He says, what was you, th after we get done with the first test, he said, what was you thinking about when you did it? I was thinking about grabbing my 9,000 and going back to the house and screwing the old lady. And, uh, <laughs> he says, uh, he goes, no, 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 no. There was something else that you were thinking about when you were taking this test. I said, no, there ain't nothing I was thinking about in this test. 
Well, he keeps repeating this over and over and over. And I said, listen, dude, did I pass the polygraph? Or he goes, well, there's a little glitch right here. I said, no, sir. I said, I've taken a thousand of these polygraphs, and I've talked to many of these polygraph guys. It's either a spike or a nothing. And I said, because there is nothing on here that's any different than any of these other questions that you give me. And I looked at the polygraph reading. He goes, well, let's just try it again. So we tried again, same results, and he said, no, there's something you're thinking about in this kind. I said, no, there is nothing. And this is like an hour I'm back in here going back and forth to this idiot. Well, then finally he said, okay, I'll tell you what. Hypothetically, hypothetically, if there was a rule in this contest, what would you worry about? And I said, I ain't worried about nothing, all. And I said, nothing. He said, no, 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 no. I said, I'm just saying hypothetically. I said, well, I said, if I had a rule to worry about, and I'm not, it would be that loaded gun in the pickup deal because last year we broke that rule on the third call. We knew it was a rule. We quit hunting. We, that was the first year we never made it back to the weigh-in because the rules are the rule. This year we wrote unload gun and shoe polish on the windows, and, but after we killed them four or five coyotes on the first two calls, we knew there was a pretty good chance we are going to, come home with a buttload of money so we wasn't gonna break no rules hoss i can assure you he goes you you broke that rule didn't you and that's he went out and told them that i admitted to breaking the rule oh, carrying Jesus. a loaded gun in the pickup wow which had even if i did i wasn't hooked up to any goddamn machine right. i said but regardless for me that's a chicken shit way of freaking busting a guy that had one yeah. great day yeah. You know, we killed 14, which some buddies of mine come in right behind us, and they had 12, you know, even though they said, oh, it's not possible. It's Everybody's not possible. getting two. So did the 12 guys get the cash? Oh, yeah, they did. They're Oklahoma guys. So, so you can't have a, a loaded gun in your vehicle in that contest anywhere? No, you can, you cannot drive with a loaded vehicle. Even no. if you're on a private ranch, like which even is legal on, in Texas. And that was just because it, it would screw us Texas boys. He yeah. told us that day, he goes, all you Texas boys come to the front. I'm going to have to paint y'all a picture on these rules that are over there. I mean, he, he tried like hell. So, so now let's, let's paint well, a picture for our listeners now. How did the, when they told you and Mitch, now anybody don't know Mitch, it's Mitch McLemore. He's an old friend of ours. He was Andy's football coach. Yeah. Great guy, good friends of ours, great people. And I know Mitch pretty well too. Mitch gets a little hot also. So how did Mitch and Clay Reed get out of Oklahoma without getting an altercation? Well, I stood there. I stood there, and I—I I mean, it was—it was hard, but uh, I damn near killed an old boy one time. That one of the last fights I got into, and I spent ten years on probation over that fight. And I mean, I—and <laughs> I'm gonna tell you, when you take the daylight from a man for about a month and a half. You don't want to go back to jail again. And, and so and I didn't realize how bad I like sunlight. Yeah, I had a guy, you know, over there, an old local drug dealer in uh, in town that, you know, he, he popped off and, and I kind of overdid it on him and beat him up, kind of blacked out. And, and uh, it, it, was, it was a bad ass whooping. And uh, so that is what I got a family, you know, I, I couldn't, as bad as I want to do it. I've been in three fights since that time. But them guys had to whoop on me for a minute for before a minute I would to, even defend myself. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, I said that's why I don't hardly go to bars anymore because I can't afford to. I'm not scared of anybody. I'm just scared of myself. You right. know what I mean? And Mitch, 
you know, he, he's got his career, and that's yes. the last way. It would have screwed everything yeah. up. It's and, harder to walk away than it is to fight. Oh, it was hard. I mean, it was hard. We we went down there and sat at the McDonald's for 30 minutes. I was so mad I couldn't see straight. <laughs> oh, I mean, it was hard. But sometimes, you, you know. So, have you have you gone back to this tournament since then? No, that no. tournament has been dissolved. Yeah. Of course, I spread the word about how, right. how crooked it was. See, they did the same thing. They tried to do it to two buddies of mine from Dalhart. They won it two years in a row up there, and they tried to uh, get them on the same kind of stupid crap. Mm-hmm. And then they got another buddy of mine. Right. And uh, so, and all of us were from Texas. Never did they have any problem with the Oklahoma guys coming in there winning. But when the Texas boys, which happened the five years we were there, Texas boys won it every time. So, so, so you had mentioned the uh, the driving with a loaded weapon it's all self-regulatory so you knew that you had broken the rules yep. and you're like we're fuck it we're done yep this is what yeah because i knew i had to take polygraph right and uh, there's no way in hell i mean oh, i'm gonna okay. pass polygraph yeah. right. <laughs> knowing that i did yeah. it i've played golf with mitch many times most honest man he's a very honest guy yeah. so you know and, yeah and I'm, I'm the same way i'm not gonna if, if i break a rule as dumb and stupid as that rule is that's why I tell a lot of these guys in these hunting contests, right? Some of these guys want to put all – well, the worst thing they can do is, did you follow all game and regulation rules? All right, how many times have y'all been out a time or two and accidentally broke a, a dumbass rule? It or, happens. Or, yeah, it, it happens. happens. Yeah, I, mean, uh, I mean, just – so I – like my contest, that's not one of the rules. Did you follow the rules within this contest? You know, that's what it is. Because that way, if did if I forgot my hunter certification card at the house, which you're supposed to have on you at all times, that's breaking a Texas parking uh, wildlife regulation. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So that had nothing to do with uh, Jeff Stanfield winning a contest. Right. So yep. I, I don't want that to influence anybody's polygraph. And so so I don't how, – How do they do a contest? You said San Angelo had 719 teams? Yeah. How Jesus. many freaking poly, polygraph guys they got there? Oh, they – well, I guess they got that one one guy. But how like I say, I don't do, hunt it. Like, gee, how would the hell would he do 250 teams or whatever? No, no, you only pay – it only uh, – it only. well, now, used to it only pay two places. But then it would pay like most cows, most fox, most cats. All right, side pot. And uh, but right. now now they pay eight places, which they'll draw, I guess. So eight polygraphs. You're tests. only so doing not, eight. Yeah, polygraphs. you're not doing poly- that. Makes yeah. sense. They're not doing. But it for when everybody. you have, like, say, I think that I think that last deal was like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars. You're gonna afford to pay eight polygraphs. That ain't that's right. a, yes. pay forty eight thousand to win it. That's a great hunt. Don't get me wrong. I ain't knocking. And the guys put that on. They're good, good guys, and as honest as they get. But <coughs> you can't. I'm not blaming them for guys trying to cheat. And there's always going to be those guys, just like bass tournament. Yeah. But we do, as a contest director myself, we're diligent in trying to to catch them. Right. And luckily, we're 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 doing it a little at a time. I mean, I have seen. I was going to ask you, what's the craftiest thing that, you, that you've seen as a contest director with somebody trying to cheat? Well, like these guys put uh, 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 injecting blood in a bobcat to make it heavy. Really? Yeah, injecting blood. That way, when you go cutting it up, 
It's just blood. It's just blood. You don't think yeah. nothing of it. <laughs> so now, now what you got to do is you got to take a DNA test. Oh, I shit. mean, you got to take DNA out of that little guy. Oh, but for forty-eight thousand dollars, yeah, oh, no, it's worth it. Exactly. Yeah. What's you a know, what's a big bobcat weigh in a contest like this? Because now know. remember, people from all over the United States. We've got almost fifty states now that listen to this in about fifteen different countries. So people are out there. There's some some bitch in Israel right now that's listening to this. It's like, oh, we're gonna shoot some coyotes. Explain to them what's a or a bobcat. What's a big bobcat weigh? A big bobcat in Texas is the biggest I ever killed. Which I didn't kill it, but I was the only guide hunt. I took a Navy SEAL, and uh, <laughs> that was fun. I had a it was a 34 pound cat. I had a, a, a Marine retired Marine guy and a Marine uh, a retired Navy SEAL. That Marine could not see nothing. I had the Navy SEAL in the pickup. I had the uh, Marine up top. This 34 pound cat comes out there in a wide ass open, 80 yards, stops broadside with a white light. And this guy ain't seen him yet. Oh, and I go, God dang, shoot him, Mark. Shoot him. Yeah, where is he? I see he's right there. God dang, shoot that son of a gun. So anyway, the cat runs over behind a little old mesquite tree, but I can still see his eyes. Lee, Lee was the, the Navy SEAL inside the pickup. He steps out of the pickup with a twenty two Magnum and shoots him right in the mouth. But we couldn't find a bullet until we yeah. opened his mouth. Shot him right in the mouth. He goes, Boy, you Marines suck. <laughs> 34-pound cat. 34-pound cat. Jesus. Is a, how, how, big, how long and tall? I mean, fuck, that's – You figured that would hit your nipples if you jumped up on you. The biggest I ever seen was at Graham. You know, they had the Carlton Kendrick Memorial Hunt at Graham. One time we was hunting up there, Mitch, and we come into the weigh-in. Guys come up there wide-eyed, and they said, Hey, Clay, you got to get in there and look at that cat. And I said, uh, There's a 50-pound cat in there. I said, Oh, bullshit. There ain't no goddamn 50-pound cat. You're smoking crack. And I walked around the corner, and I was saying, I said, that's a 50-pound fucking bobcat. <laughs> if I've ever seen one. Got, there's a trapper down there at German named uh, uh, Kim Rife, and he caught it on the snare snare line. But this cat looked like he was on steroids. <laughs> I mean, it was he was the Lou Ferrigno of bobcat. What did it weigh? 50 pounds. Oh, right. Right. He, he weighed, weighed right. that son gun 30 times that day. That's a big-ass cat. Jesus. But a 30-pound cat is a big cat for Texas. That's why you know, all of us northern guys up here, we won't hardly. You know, we killed that 34-pounder. But we had, there for a while, we had the drought. When we were in the drought, you had the trifecta of death for bobcats. You had yeah. high fur prices. You had feline distemper. And then you had... Uh, what was the other one? Drought. <laughs> yeah, the drought. Yeah. Yeah, no water. And so their 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 kittens wasn't raising, you know, and they were starving them. So, boy, you got to where you couldn't find, you know, me and Mitch killed them 10 cats one night. Shoot, boy, if you see 10 cats in all January, February, March nowadays, which they're making a comeback because a lot of the hunts up here took the bobcats out of the hunt and made it just strictly coyotes. And, uh, I was going to say, I do a lot of turkey hunting, and – um, after the drought, turkey pop, uh, turkey population declined, and then 2012, I guess I was doing a lot of turkey hunts, and I would have coyotes. I guess were so fucking hungry, they were coming to my call, and oh, I yeah. had it happen more in 2012 than I've ever had it happen. Oh yeah. And I guess the I guess the predator population dipped, uh -huh. and then the turkey population boom. But and then this year, I've seen I've seen a ton of coyotes in the springtime. So I'm guessing that their population is kind of going up with the turkeys and exactly. quail and everything what, else. What's the biggest What's the biggest coyote you've had? Coyote, uh, me and Mitch this year, you know, 40-pound coyote in our country is a big coyote. But I guess the 
biggest one we killed uh, when I filmed that uh, Darren, uh, with Dan Harrison, the Remington Country Show, we shot an old, old cat, a coyote. I mean, he come in, he was, one, he had the mange pretty bad, scarred up, cataracts on his eyes. I mean, he was the man in his day. <laughs> he come walking up there, and he's, he's limping. He's limping, he's got his old shoulder, and then he'd stop about every 20 yards, and he'd turn his head to where his ear could hear that call <laughs> and he go oh okay there's that call and he'd limp some more and he'd come in there but he weighed 50 pounds it, and that's that's by far you know but usually a mangy coyote will always weigh heavy i don't know that you know i heard the scar tissue the but if you got a mangy coyote at a contest you weigh that song my boy hunted with uh hell i think it was ty ty mclemore him and ty hunted and they killed a one cow a mangy cow which Hell, the big cow, my contest paid $3,000 a lot of time. And uh, he said, ah, we just got that one. I said, well, that's a mangy cow. You get in there and weigh it. Hell, that mangy, that cow didn't look like he weighed 25 pounds, but he weighed 41. Now, and what is what is the mange? Is, is it just something that they get from what they're eating or? Uh, it's just a lice. Oh, know? really? Yeah, it's just a lice. You know. the, and it makes all the hair wrong, fall off. I ain't off. no mange expert. But yeah, and, it's all, and all the hair comes off of oh, it. Oh, yeah. It'll be slick. Yeah. Yeah, you got. I think there's three different types of mange. I did. I just found that re- recent. Found mm-hmm. out that recent. There's three different types, but you know, and uh, you know, so. But that's uh, otherwise known as the, otherwise known as the chupacabra. Yeah, the chupacabra. Yeah, oh yeah, there's been a, a lot of chupacabras. It's fucking coyote with the mange. Is all <laughs> that's it fucking believable. I, I looked on the news <laughs> one day and SMU. They're sending a mangy coyote to SMU for t- uh, testing down there, <laughs> yeah. and I was like. God dang, I don't even need a bachelor's degree to figure that one out. <laughs> it's just a mangy coyote. Yeah, odd. I mean, it's... You said, Mingo, the northern guys. So when you do these contests, you don't have a lot of guys hunting like the South Texas brush, like Brownsville to San Antonio, that area down there. Do those guys not enter the contest up here? Or are those big-ass ranches down there not very many places they can get on They stay them? down in that San Angelo. There's enough, you know, there's, there's a god dang coyote contest down there under every tree just like it is up here in january february march so they don't really have to come up here you know they can win a lot of contests as far as most cat because down there at sabata and that country down in there they are loaded with cats i mean it's unbelievable the population are they bigger or smaller than our cats well they're bigger yeah because you're getting your all your san angelo cats that are winning a lot of them come from that South Texas region. Oh, I figured they'd be smaller than That's them. exactly what I thought. I figured they'd be smaller, but now they're, I guess there's so many more of them, but, they, you know, you just get lucky and get a big one. That's like my buddy old Jared Hampton and them, you know, hell, they were going for most cows. They were trying to win the side pot for most cows. Now, now they were hunting, I think, West Texas. It wasn't far South Texas, but, you know, they just happened to, and that's the deal about it. You know, that's why it's a draw to a lot of people because anybody can get lucky and win that some gun. And that's why it's not a draw for me because I'm a, I'm a, I want to test my skills against you. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. And that, that hunt, that's why they have 719 people. Hello, hell, they won $40,000 on accident, basically. Okay, Clay, when, when, now the coyotes, though, are they going to get heavier as you get up in northern Oklahoma to Kansas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so well, I don't, now, don't get me wrong about the Kansas deal, but when you head east, the, the coyotes get bigger. 
uh, in my contest, the guys that usually win the big co uh, coyote in my contest are Waco or Sherman. You get east of 281, it's amazing how big the coyotes get. Clay County. You know, more more Clay, food. Yeah, Clay County ain't 40 miles from me. And they'll all, the hell, they want it. Oh, Tim McCoy and uh, B.J. Lowry, and I think won it three years in a row. And then Cole McSpadden and Bradley Fife out of, uh, uh, down there around Waco, they won it like two years. And, uh, yeah, so they, and that's another lure. You know, they, they, they won't hardly a lot of times compete for the, uh, for the championship, killing 12 coyotes the fastest, basically. But they'll, they can always win that big coyote. Which it'll pay three to four thousand dollars. So, hell, that and that's what keep. That's why I get guys that it kind of evens the playing field out. You know, in my contest, basically, it's whoever kills twelve coyotes the fastest. When you kill your twelve coyote, you run out there and you tag that coyote with your hand, and then you record on your card what time you tag that coyote, whether it's Saturday or Sunday. Tell you a funny old story about our old buddy John Hendricks. Okay. Remember old John? Yeah. Uh, old Gillen boy. John Hendricks and old uh, uh, Craig Bosworth. You remember Craig? Yes, I sure do. Old Craig and them, they hunted and hunt all the time. You know, and which John's been doing it forever. And he's a coyote killing some of a gun. But he'd always, he was having hell, you know, getting into money. Of course, competition's pretty steep around. But, whoa, in my hunt, I knew he was getting close. He calls me. He said, Clay? Well, Craig calls me because John ain't going to call nobody. You know, he don't call. <laughs> so Craig calls me. He said, we got our limit. And I said, you did? I said, well, good deal, boy. I was fired up. I said, when did you kill it? He said, uh, uh, what did he say? 1246. I said, oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> he goes, why? And you could hear the air escaping his lungs <laughs> when I told him, oh, that's so He goes, why? And I said, because Lynn Schrader just called me and they killed theirs at 1238. Eight uh. minutes, Dexter. So, <laughs> Craig, he goes cussing, raising hell. Son of a bitch, goddamn. He's cussing. I said, hey, hell, you still going to win a lot of money, Craig? I said, don't worry about it. He goes, no, that ain't what I'm mad about. I said, what are you mad about? He goes, well, we were so goddamn excited about killing our daggum 12 limit for the first time. We forgot to go out there and tag the son of a gun with our ham and record the time. Oh, he said, shit. hell, we celebrated and drank soda pop for 15 minutes before <laughs> we figured it out. I was, oh, God. Uh, so it cost him about $4,000. <laughs> so uh, everybody's uh, listening, is gonna, and I know they're thinking the same thing I am. Have you called in a mountain lion? Yes. The first one we called in was at uh, out here on the Croton Place. Well, Mike Stewart had it over here by four sixes, uh -huh. and it was funny. We got up there. I'm on the ground with a shotgun. Mitch McLemore and Wayne Hutchison are up top in the rack. Well, here come this mountain lion. Well, the broom weeds are, you know, about waist deep uh, out there, so you couldn't hardly tell. We could see it coming in. We knew it was a predator. And then, uh, well, there's one freaking tree one mesquite tree in the middle of the nowhere in this dang open country and that guy dang lion come in behind that daggum deal and he'd look and he'd look left he'd look right on behind that tree of course we don't shoot nothing unless we know exactly no, what, it what it is i mean we we, we don't have a identity we don't shoot and then go 
yeah. uh, ground check them. We don't right. ground yeah. check them. And so, uh, anyway, uh, so we sat there, and I said, boy, I know that's a goddamn line because it, you can tell because their eyes are way wider mm -hmm. apart, which sometimes you misinterpret for a yearling because they're so wide. And we had and a guy shoot a horse on a pig hunt once, so we yeah, know exactly, exactly what you're exactly. talking about. Exactly. I've been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, so, and, uh, so anyway, Mitch – Finally, the, the line would leave, and then we'd call it back. And then it would leave, and it call back, come right back to that tree. And then finally, a bunch of yearlings from the left come over there, and they spooked that son of a gun. He started going, running left to right, jumping in broomweeds, and then we could see that tail oh, wow. going big town. I said, yeah. it's a line, get him. And old Mitch, he boo, 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 he shoot. <laughs> and uh, Mitch goes, I got him, go get him. I said, Fuck you. You think you got him? You go get him. Go get him. I, said, I ain't into going out there for a wounded lion and waist deep. Uh, he goes, hell, I'll go with you. I said, I ain't going with you out there. So we come back that next morning when it got daylight. I said, no. And then, uh, which we've called several, a uh, couple more, but we've never gotten a shot. But it's funny you say that. Here, up there around Archer in Holiday, They've been getting there's there's two lines over there west or east of holidays been getting a bunch of dogs. They've got them on camera and they've done all that. They called me over there and hell every time I get there, one of the other guys say, "Nope, he's over here. He just walked across my backyard." So I've been on a stalk trying to get these two lines over there. Well, over there at Kickapoo where I live, my bedozer driver lived there. He calls me up. This wasn't just like a month or two ago. He said, "Hey, uh, Clay." He said, uh, your line just walked across uh front of me here at my house. He said, stopped on the road, and he's a big son of a bitch. I said, I'm on my way, and it's right before dark. And he got his dog on Monday. This is on Friday. Oh, I said, wow. I'm on my way. So I called all every – I finally found John Doyle, buddy of mine there, and Archer to come run the light for me. Boy, we hauled ass out there, and right not very far to the west from Joey's house, is my pasture. So I get over there and we crawl over the fence and I'm up on a high point because I don't want that somebody sneaking up on me anywhere. <laughs> so I, I get up on that little hill and, and I've got my hunt, my gun strapped across my back and that's where I messed up. Because I put that collar down and we're sitting way up on this elevated knob fixing to look down on this bottom towards Joey's house. And I got that collar and I put the collar down and I said, all right, Joe. And I turned that collar on and John Boy turned that damn light on and I'll kiss your ass there, the son of a bitch sitting down there 200 yards on his ass in a salt scald looking up at me. I go, holy shit. So that's when the wreck ensued because I went to try to get my goddamn gun off my back and I wasn't prepared. And I got in a hurry and I hit that Foxborough collar, which has uh, the fox bang on it. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns it on to the uh, pups in the strip. <laughs> of course, the line. Shags yeah. ass. Yeah. God dang son of a So I break out my call and I go call and I call him back a couple of times and I couldn't get him and we lost him and then all of a sudden back to the back I run that light back behind us. There he is. I could see a body moving to the right. There he is. He fixed to go behind that tit. Get ready, get ready, boy. And I can pull my gun up and sure enough that there's a little old tit knob right there. And that son of a poked his head up there above that daggum tit knob and Ow! I shot him right between the eyes. Woo! <laughs> Boy, I head down that goddamn. I looked the man man from Snowy River coming down that cliff. <laughs> well, then about halfway down there, I thought, hey, I hope I killed that thing. Oh, I didn't get my gun off my back. <laughs> so I pulled my gun back up. Hell, it was a damn coyote to come in and sneak it <laughs> Oh, son of a bitch. But yeah, they're, they're elusive. And then you got guys 
That's like, oh, uh, I think it was Jake and Byer down there taking his wife, uh, girlfriend out, going to gonna get them to, uh, you know, first, you know, going to try to get a fox mm-hmm. and winds up shooting a lion down there at South Texas. And I was like, son of a gun. I think the chick actually shot the son of a gun. But one of these days it'll happen. Some kid it'll last happen. year was on a, a high dollar deer hunt down somewhere in South Texas, 14 year old kid. And, uh, I can't exactly remember exactly how the story went, but the guy, the, the, he wanted to hunt somewhere, and he could shoot anything he wanted on this ranch, and a freaking mountain lion came up, uh. and the guy said, he said, can I shoot that? He said, well, you can shoot anything you want to, they said, and he shot this mountain lion, and it was only, like, I think it was 88 pounds, he's oh, like yeah. 12 or 14 years old. It's a lion. That's a once in a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's, a, it's you know, a lot of guys, they go with dogs and all that, and, and you know, I used to run coyotes, you know, since I could walk with uh, greyhounds and all that. My dad had 32 at one time, but that's not my deal. I like to call. I like to match wits against them. That's why I like calling contests. You know, a lot of a lot of hunts nowadays are shooting contests. Well, I, I, that's why I turned my coyote hunt, Texas Coyote Calling Championship, into a shotgun only hunt. So they got to be close. You, yeah, you got. Yeah, you know, today's technology with guns is so much different than it used to be. You know, you right. got these inflamed scopes and 6.5 cream moors and Lapuas and hell, it ain't nothing to go kill a coyote at a thousand yards. Right. Well, that's not calling a coyote. That's not a calling contest to me. That that's, just, that's just a coyote walking yeah, by you. That's a, that's a contest. shooting contest. Yeah. That's why, and that's what was happening a lot, you know. So my deal, I want to make it one a daytime hunt because nighttime, nighttime, the learning curve is a lot easier for you know you can, you can hide a, a lot of troubles and fallacies with your hunters you know like guide hunting you know I'd much rather take a guide hunt night than the daytime because you know them guys in the daytime they want to wiggle they want to look <laughs> around you know and you know coyote can see you from a million miles so mine's a daylight hunt and a shotgun only hunt and old Nathan Spencer the world champion he he cussed my uh, he he's mad at me because i changed it to a uh cow uh or a shotgun only hunt but after he he finally weakened and he hunted my hunt and he won the son of a gun and uh and he he come over and he thanked me he was he was i ain't never killed a cow with a shotgun i said bullshit and i mean nathan killed me and Kyle. hell he killed 67 in one hunt this year. and uh i said but he said, no, I've never, he said, that was the most fun I ever had. He said, I'll be back next year. I said, yeah, because then it, it's a skill deal. And to get them birds, and plus, when you hunt with a shotgun, it opens up country that you would never hunt with a rifle. Right. You know that thickest, thickest brush that you can get in that you will never go with a rifle? You take that shotgun in there and something about it, them old coyotes, they'll come in and they think they're hidden. You know, where trying to get a cow across a wheat field sometimes is impossible because they're on the defensive the whole time. But when you get one coming through them old thick mesquites, and I mean, I've killed them, I mean, right in my lap, literally Jeez. in my lap. You know, there's one one place I had, it was as big as this table, which ain't six foot. There's only, that's the only place I could kill him. And I killed him <laughs> right on top of that call with a shotgun. It's it's well, addictive. Um, 
didn't they have a contest a couple – they changed the rules of this 10 or 15 years ago. Didn't some guys take a bunch of cattle and drag a bunch of dead cows in the middle of a wheat field and shoot like 40 or 50 coyotes one night in a contest? Didn't they make it then – didn't they start making you – Use a call or at least time yeah, to where you yeah, now you, you hadn't been able to do that in forever. But that's been how long, I've been doing this a long time. Twenty years ago, fifteen years ago. Yeah, that was. Uh, it was uh, out here. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, uh, hell, my cousin, my my cousin <laughs> over at Seymour, and them. Yeah, that was that was when you had Graham, and basically it was a it was a you know no rules free for all. Uh, yeah, free for all. Yeah, but they did they they had a bunch of dead pile in the middle of Oh a, yeah. Well, you go 1600 over, acres of wheat and yeah. the cows can't, the cows can't even get away from you. Yeah, you go over there and then, you know, they didn't even have to haul them out there because you had dead yearlings. You know, when you got a field that's got 2000 yearlings on it, you're going to have dead cattle. And mm-hmm. uh, that's like at one we call them the Taylor Wheatfield cow. It's about a 700 acre field and one year I counted 41 cows. So just what I could see with the naked eye on there. Now getting them some bitches killed is quite a chore, and I, I mean they are the smartest, most educated sons of bitches. Them Taylor Wheatfield cows, but yeah, like I say, most of you hunt. None of them you can do that anymore. Well, let's let's touch base on Clay Reed the person now because okay. you got a lot of fans out there. You're an interesting guy. Tell us about your wife because that's a she's got to have some kind of automatic. She's got a place in heaven. Either either her. a saint or just a crazy person. Yes. I don't know well, which I, one. Well, I'm gonna tell you what. Now, now, now. When I was headed over here, she she told me that there was se- several <laughs> stories that I could not tell. She said that you know me and her have been together 27 years, uh, uh, and so uh, she said there won't be 28 if you tell a couple of them stories. Like that. <laughs> I, 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 I'll be good. But now when. You know, I, when I was married to my practice wife, which mm. is my what, practice wife, that's what the first one's always your practice wife. <laughs> yeah. yeah, when I was, I, well, I got divorced from my practice wife, uh, which, boy, that's a whole nother story. But uh, <laughs> whatever you want to tell, it's, yeah, your, it's your yeah. time. Well, I will tell this story. Okay. This, this, me and her, which, you know, uh, we had a little boy named Jake, and then I had my daughter, uh, my daughter Haley, which me and Brandy, we were kind of. You know, touch and go as far as, but I was working 12 hour tires for Dean Drilling back in them days. And uh, so uh, one day, you know, I, when I come home, I went to bed, you know, and all that, but heck, she was all over her parents. But the one day in six months, I'm off. I go in there and it gets daylight, and I, me and my buddy Marvin are going to go fishing that, that morning. And uh, well, I get up early to go fishing. Well, Brandy, she's like, oh, my legs hurt. My legs hurt. I said, well, call that sick, tell him he ain't coming in. Ah, oh, I'll be all right. So she's getting ready to go to work. So I take my boy in there, who's like a year old, and I'm getting him bathed and ready to go to babysitter so I can go fishing. Well, my daddy-in-law, my practice daddy-in-law, he shows up, <laughs> and me and him's in there talking in the bathroom, and all of a sudden I hear some screaming and raising hell, and I thought, what in the hell is that? And I said, Buster. I said, go check on her and see what the hell's wrong with her. So, well, then Buster goes into my room, which is adjacent to the bathroom that I'm in. And all of a sudden, I hear, oh, 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 oh. And I was like, what the hell? So I, I got Jake in my hand, his naked ass in my hand. <laughs> I, I, I lean back, and I look down the hall, and I can see in there. And he's at the opening of the bathroom in our master bedroom. And he's vapor locked. Oh, 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 oh. And I said, what the hell's wrong with you, boy? He, oh, he, oh, he starts pointing in there. So I run in there. 
Well, hell, my practice wife is straddling the toilet with my baby daughter, Haley, Holy down in the toilet. Shit. I said, Holy shit! <laughs> I had no idea she was pregnant, and she swears she didn't have no idea. What she was in the hell? So, so I go, oh shit! So, so I, I hand what? I hand the baby Jake to the daddy-in-law. I reach in the toilet and I grab Haley out of the toilet and bun. I said, you know, umbilical cord drawn up and Brandy. She's sitting over there. Hey, she's freaking out. I said, come in here and lay down. And she laid down, and, of course, I got everything pulled out and got it all out there. And I said, Buster, go get me a damn uh, towel and a, and a knife. So Buster, <laughs> goes in, knife. Buster goes in there and gets me a serrated <laughs> steak knife. Now, I'm going to tell you what. Cutting an umbilical cord with a serrated steak knife is just about almost impossible. I saw it on that son bitch what seemed for an hour. Finally got that umbilical cord, and I tied it in a knot, and I tied it in all the deal. And I told Brandy, I said, hey. Go in there and sit on that pot because all that placenta and yeah. everything's come off. It's just like I was pulling the calf, done yeah. it a thousand times. <laughs> and, uh, so I get old Haley all cleaned up with the afterbirth, licked on her a little bit, cleaned all that afterbirth all of her. <laughs> get her cleaned off like a good daddy does. And, and uh, I wrap her up and I put her in Brandy's arm, turn the old heater on, and, uh, you know, incubator, keep her hot. Incubator. I mean, it's like I've done it my whole life. All right, now, but it gets funny. Now it gets yeah, funny. Yeah, it gets funny. Because, right, so, I have a feeling where this is going to so go. So I go, I go to the hospital. And we go to the hospital and go all that, and I call my dad. I said, better call my dad. He's new granddad now. <laughs> Congratulations. I said, hey, boy. Of course, oh, man, he's not much of an early riser. And I said, hey, what are you doing here? I'm fucking sleeping. What do you want? <laughs> and I said, uh, I said, well, I'm up here at the hospital. And he goes, what the hell's wrong with you? And I said, well, Brandy just had a baby. He goes, What? I said, yeah, had it in the toilet at the house. <laughs> what? He goes, he goes, you're shitting me. And I said, no. And he said, bullshit. And uh, so he said, Marsha. He starts giggling. Marsha, my stepmom, he said, get in here and listen to this shit. And so Marsha comes in there and she don't believe it. And I had to finally get a nurse to get on the phone and tell him, yeah, he's up there. So anyway, we get up there and they, the old doctor or nurse comes in there and says, hey, I need to sign this uh, uh Who's y'all's delivering doctor? That's a, we Clay, didn't have it. Clay didn't Reed. Have, didn't have a little <laughs> physician. She goes, well, uh, who delivered the baby? I said, well, nobody delivered the baby. I said, she goes, well, who cut the cord? Said, well, that'd be me. She goes, well, sign right here. <laughs> so on her birth certificate where it says delivering physician sign, Johnny Clay Reed. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so anyway, we go on there, and, and it's funny and all that. We laugh, and, you know, hell, I was wanting daughter anyway. And uh, so... Uh, but they're kind of in a panic. Well, hey, I stay at the hospital. Well, it's the next day before I go to the hospital. So you didn't go fishing that day? No, we didn't go fishing. Okay. But that's where it gets funny. Okay. This is when you know you got a friend. When you got a, the best friend you ever had. Because my buddy Marvin, he's a buddy of mine that, you know, he'll walk in the house. Hey, Reed, what are you doing? You know, kind of guy. So he pulls up the house that morning. Well, we're all gone. All the vehicles are still there. We left an ambulance, you know. So we all gone. So he walks into the house thinking we're at home. <laughs> hey, what y'all doing? Hey, Reed, what y'all doing? And uh, said, I called him. He's telling me this story. And I said, I'm sorry. He goes, you son of a bitch. And I said, what? And he goes, well, fuck. Hell, I thought you killed that son of a bitch. <laughs> he goes, hell, I, I walked in there. 
I walked in there and nobody answered the door. And I walked in the back room and I was hollering, hey, hey. And all of a sudden, I looked there in the floor. <laughs> there's a big old blood pile. <laughs> and then there was a trail over to the bathroom. And I get over to the bathroom and there's handprints, you know, where she had yeah. grabbed her hand. There's yeah. bloody handprints all over everything. <laughs> and it. I knew you and her was having kind of difficulties. <laughs> he said, I thought you cut that bitch up. <laughs> he, said, he goes, hell, it took me 30 minutes to wipe all my fingerprints and get the hell out of there. <laughs> he said, I drove all the way to Holiday, and I remember that I, I touched the kitchen cabinet, had to drive back over there, and wipe it clean. I said, boy, you know you got a good friend when he thinks you chopped your wife up. But, hey, I, I ain't asking nothing. <laughs> Cleaned all his fingerprints uh, but, up. But anyway, going back to uh, Kelly, you know, it was shortly after that, <laughs> me and her split up for various reasons. Yeah. And uh, uh, <laughs> I was through with the practice round. And, of course, I immediately started dating Kelly. I, I, I figured the best place to go chase women would be the uh, schoolyard up there. So I grabbed me a box of candy and sat out there at the playground. I got some candy. She was a senior in high school. And uh, I was a little bit older than her. But we wind up hooking up we dated for a while but and uh of course i was not really done with the oat sewing we were dating and this this gal she's tough uh -huh. i mean she will kick your ass you know i yeah she's the only person who ever knocked me out really course, yeah she did use a boot to do it but she <laughs> did knock my ass out and uh i woke up folded in between the bed and the wall one morning naked and yeah she hit me with my own goddamn boot but but she uh, uh. but I told her in May one time, after we'd been together about two years, I said, listen, I got one more summer underneath me. I said, I'm, thank you. I said, I, I got one more summer underneath me. I said, I'm going to party all because I was clowning. I was clowning for Burkett Rodeo Company, and then I would uh, ride Ranch Bronco at the same time. I said, I got one summer underneath me. I said, I'm going to fight bull and ride Bronx and fuck whores all summer <laughs> and uh if you're still around after the pioneer reunion said hell i'll marry you well first thing she told me was fuck you you son of a bitch i ain't your goddamn good you son of a bitch and she left and i said well that was the deal i made <laughs> so i didn't see her all summer long and then three weeks or about two or three weeks after the pioneer reunion in september went to looking for her. and hell i was living in my pickup and uh, and I had a mattress that I carried in the back of my pickup, and I went by her best friend. I said, "Hey, where's uh, where's Kelly at?" She said, "Well, she got her new man. She <laughs> lived down Steve uh, down DeLeon. She got her new man. She gonna get married." And I said, "Oh, really? Okay." So I load up my truck and I haul ass. Well, 55 mile an hour that truck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, old brown hornet wouldn't go very fast. So me and Gizmo, my dog, my blue heater dog, and my mattress and the brown hornet headed to DeLeon, Texas. I pulled in there at Dairy Queen because I hadn't shaved in a while. And I said, hey, can I get a, a cup of hot water? She said, yeah. So I go out there and I shave on the hood, you know, got to look presentable. And then I go in there and I said, can I borrow your phone? That was before the cell phone cell days. Phones. And they said, yeah. So I called Kelly. I said, what are you doing? You? Who is this? I said, it's Clay. She said, what the fuck are you on? And I said, uh, she said, where are you at? I said, I'm at Dairy Queen. She goes, in Archer? And I said, no, DeLeon. So what the hell do you want? I said, well, I told you after Pioneer Reunion I'd marry you. She goes, I'll be ready in five minutes. Oh, <laughs> I went shit. over there loading all her shit up that we could fit in the old brown horn and headed back to the deal. And, <laughs> and True her, love. her man back there. 
burnt the rest of her stuff and <laughs> we didn't we didn't get it all yeah we didn't get it all because he burned it all <laughs> and uh hell we got married about a month later Did it? so was, what was this old boy saying when you're loading up her shit that he, he thinks, wasn't there oh he wasn't there yeah i'm thankful for him yeah, yeah. i don't think he'd have <laughs> so didn't you live in a tent for a while oh yeah when i when i was dating kelly well me when me and the practice wife got divorced uh-huh. well when i left her i got a tent a little two-man dome tent and a, a chevy pickup and she repoed the chevy pickup about two months later <laughs> she had she had forged my name on a uh she worked for a loan company she forged my name on a uh, note and uh repoed my truck called i said hell i paid cash for that somebody <laughs> I, went, we, I was building helping uh, uh sam ruby build bits and spurs there and we went up and get parts all of a sudden, I come out, and there's this fat guy come driving by my pickup. And I, and, and I knew it was my pickup because it had uh, seven bullet holes down the side where we got drunk one day, frog hunting. We couldn't find no frogs, so we decided to shoot my pickup shoot up. Shoot your pickup. And, uh, but I never let her see me sweat. Hell, never I never let even bought it. Easy come, easy go. I yeah. still got my little gray mare named Susie down there. and I lived in a buddy of mine's uh, backyard for a little while, and then uh, – Another buddy of mine, Bill Tom, he said, hell, you can stay down there at my granny's place. He had like two acres, and uh, and it was cool. It, like I say, it wasn't but about two acres. They had an old barn, the old galvanized tin barn, and then it had a little old tank that probably wasn't 10 yards across, you know, a little old tank. But hell, I'd built me a little old uh, a pier. I guess you'd call it a pier. It wasn't very big. Built that little pier, and I had my, which I had graduated up, to a bigger tent <laughs> and i had a bed in it and a little chest of drawers in it and uh anyway and i had my coats out there and i swear i just day worked and lived right out of there it was it was legendary for me i loved it now i ain't gonna lie it's hot you <laughs> yeah. know i mean there ain't nothing worse than sleeping in a tent when it's 140 degrees it's fun for a weekend but you do it every day <laughs> yeah or, or or on the other aspect is freezing your Cold. ass off yeah because that's why the cops up in our area, they won't pull me over. Because we had a Kenneth Stevens. I don't know if uh, you yes, yeah, the DPS Kenneth guy. Stevens was legendary. Well, he pulls me over one day. I ain't got no inspection sticker. I ain't got no uh, license. I ain't got no insurance. I ain't got nothing on this pickup. And if I remember right, I didn't even have a license plate on the Brown Hornet. <laughs> he write, writes me $800 worth of tickets. Well... Monday morning, I show up down there to jail, and I said, hey, I need to set these out. I can't pay for them. They said, all right. They kept me 11 days. 11 days, I sit there. Well, I get out. About a month later, he pulls me over again. Same tickets, $800 tickets. I go up there Monday. I say, hey, I'm going to set these out. Same amount of tickets, same fine that they kept me 11 days. Now they only kept me seven days. <laughs> and so, well, it's December by the time he pulls me over again. It's colder than well diggers out. <laughs> and uh, he pulls me over and he said, Lad, are you ever going to get this truck legal to drive on a public railway? I said, well, Kenneth, I said, you got to look at it like I got to look at it. I said, I'm living down there in that goddamn tent, freezing my ass off every night. And I said, I get one meal a day, and that's a can of Beanie, Winky, uh, Beanie Weenies and a Dilla Crackers at the Huffman Station down here because I got a charge account. I said, hell, I can go up there and get three square meals and a warm cot. I said, what the hell do you think? Yeah. <laughs> he tore it up, and he said, get the hell out of here. <laughs> they never wrote me another ticket, but uh, 
few years later old Dan Creighton, another highway patrolman, he which I had a good relationship with him guy. And uh old Dan he says uh he pulls me over and I said, Surely you're not gonna give me a ticket. He goes, Hell no, I ain't feeding your fat ass. <laughs> he goes, but I'm gonna warn you, we got a new guy up here named Corey Lane. And said he will have your ass. Ah, he'll feed me a while and he goes, Well he will. Yeah. Uh, but hell I'm I'm probably the only guy that ever got thrown in jail that they tried to hire as a deputy in the jail. Oh, yeah, probably right. OPL Pippen, the, the big fight that I was telling you about where I kind of overdid it and beat mm-hmm. the guy up pretty bad. I mean, he was ICU for quite a while. I was sweating. So, uh, so back, were you waiting? Like, you were like, please fucking wake up. Please wake up. Oh, yeah. Well, no. Come when out I woke ICU. up. No, when he well, was, what, you waiting for him to wake were you up. You waiting for him to wake up? Were you just like, oh, just please let this guy come out of ICU, okay? Oh yeah, and that's another cruel joke that somebody played on me, because this guy's sweating, <coughs> dying, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I mean, tell you the truth, I mean, we were acquaintance. You know, he started dating my ex-wife, and he's dope, and, and you know, doing dope in front of my kids. So we had a little history, and uh, but anyway, he invited me over to his house, whooped my ass. So I obliged him, and it was a pretty damn good <laughs> fight for a while inside the house. Of course, I was drunk. Yeah. Southern Comfort had me on bright. And, uh, <laughs> but I, when I woke up, I, th- I remember throwing him through a door, and I woke up, and, and he's, his head was in a pile of blood. He's out. He's, I mean, I chewed on him. Mm-hmm. I, I, my buddy Sean, I had three girls and some other guy with me, and, uh, and I said, God damn. I said, damn, dude, why didn't you pull me off? And he goes, dude, you were chewing him on him like a dog. And I said, I didn't want to get bit. And he said, <laughs> I mean, he said, you were growling. And we had an old Australian boy, cutting horse guy named Todd. We go to the house. Of course, I am covered in blood. I mean, covered. And I ain't bleeding nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I'm covered in blood. And, uh, and there, the girls are trying to clean me up. And old Todd's sitting over there in the corner going, I ain't never seen nothing like that in me bloody life. I swear to God, I ain't never seen nothing like that in me bloody life. He goes, it's too violent. It's too violent. <laughs> he he gave his statement the next day. He grabbed all of his Wranglers and all of his cassettes, and he headed back to Australia. Cassettes. Yeah, cassettes. Uh, but, but, yeah, but anyway, so this guy, he's sweating, dying, you know, and, I mean, I I really felt bad. And, uh and uh, of course, I really didn't want to go to jail for life either. <laughs> and so, uh, so I'm over there. I was working for Dean Drill, and I, we pulled into Seymour. It's me and my two buddies that I work on the rig with. Well, I go in to get a burrito. They're out in a pickup, and another buddy of mine, he comes pulling up that I hadn't seen well. Well, I knew I should have known something was up when he was in the pickup with my buddies. Had a window down there. Hey Clay, what are you doing, man? Uh, None of you. Yeah, I heard about you and old Mike. That's a bad deal. And I said, yeah, I know. That's a bad deal. You. Well, uh, you heard he died this morning at 10 o'clock. Oh, and I ain't oh shit. Lie, I almost threw yeah. up. Oh. I mean, and I'll tell you what. You know, you know me. I used to fight all the time. I had, I had, I, my, my motto was I'd rather fight than fuck. And that's the way <laughs> it was back in the day. And, but that. You know, we were talking about how uh, some heart surgeries takes it out of some yep. people. That took it out of me, knowing that I was that close to taking somebody's life over something as bullshit as I'll whoop your ass, come come over to the house. Right. And that scared me, you know, because I don't even remember 
doing all the stuff I did to him. You know, I blacked out. So, well, and it's, I, it's your life too. Exactly, two exactly. lives. That's two lives, lives yeah, would have been lost. Yeah, and yeah, and I mean, yeah, and we're not having this conversation. Screwed everything today. up, and that's what I tell my kids. You know, like my boy Dawson, he's fighting some gun, but he don't ever fight. He's kind of like the old coward of the country because I told him, I said, listen, son, I said, fighting's one thing. And I said, there's a time where you got to fight. I mean, I fought because I put myself in places that I shouldn't have been. You know, you can go to a bar, and there's always going to be that one guy. But back in the day, you know, I didn't weigh 140, 50 pounds. I can remember the first time I went into the bar. I was 145 pounds, 16 <laughs> years old. Then the, the bar age was 19. They snuck me in the back door over there. And I get in there, and, uh, and uh, of course, I'm a little nervous, you know, and I got my, <laughs> my buddy. I'm just kid. Yeah. And, uh, well, next thing you know, uh, Stanley Robertson comes over, and he says, hey, boy, and he's got a big guy with him and another guy to him. Of course, they've been drinking a while, and, and uh, they come over, and he goes, you don't mess with me today, buddy. I got my bouncers with me. Big guy over here named Mark, he goes, yeah, you don't want to fuck with me. And got in my face. I said, I ain't fucking scared of you. Well, he went to hit me. Well, I beat him punch and knocked him out. Well, then the other guy next to him, Wesley, he jumps on my back. And it's a pretty good fight for a minute. And I finally get him rolled over. Boy, and I'm over and under. And bam, 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 bam. <laughs> then here comes the bouncer. <clears throat> Bouncers pull me off all this. Well, I'm immediately, oh, sorry, oh, sorry, oh, sorry. Well, Wesley, he's he's going apeshit crazy. So it took all of them to get on top of him. He ain't taking his ass whooping real well. <laughs> so well, when they're... Uh, taking care of him, I I, I took my uh, escape. I, I took off over and I went over to Robert and I said, Robert, we gotta go. I said, I just whooped shit out of two guys over here. We gotta get out of here. And he goes, Ah, fuck them. They won't even know it. He'll change hats with me. Change so we changed hat. cowboy hat and we went over there and well, they did. They did. Here, here comes a bouncer, which is bouncer was a, a moonlighting as a bouncer. He was a cop. He was a deputy over at, which, or at Archer. Is this Stetson's or Cheyenne Cattle Company? This is Cheyenne Cattle Company. That place. Oh, yeah. And uh, so uh, he comes over and he goes, hey, you the one that started that shit? And I said, no, sir. They started it. And I said, I was, I was in it. He goes, well, you're out of here. And I said, yes, sir. You know, you know I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to get thrown in jail for being in a bar at 16. So I go headed out. When I go ahead out, that some gun hits me in the back with that mag light. Uh -oh. And I turned around and said, listen, mister, I'm leaving on my own accord. Don't hit me with that mag light, and I'll, I will leave just fine. He goes, you get your fucking ass out that goddamn door. So I turned around and walked around, and he hit me with again. I said, uh -huh. that's the last warning. You do it one more time, I'm going to knock your ass out. And uh, so I turned around, and he hit me with that mag light, except he hit me up on the neck. I turned around, I hit him three times, and he dropped. I throw my hands up in the air. I said, I'm trying to leave. Y'all see that I'm trying to leave. I don't want no trouble. Well, he jumps up, and he's going to do the Bruce Lee routine on me. What? <laughs> and he throws his hand, and he throws a high kick at me. Well, I catch his foot, kick his other foot, sweep his other foot down, and then I knock him out with about three punches. And I said, I told y'all I'm trying to leave. So I head out the door. I finally get out. That's number three. I get out there. Well, my buddy Robert's already out there with the two girls that he was picking up on, and we go talking <laughs> to them. And born about that time, here comes a mob of people out of the door, Shine Cattle Company. And all of a sudden, I said, I can hear them. They go, There he is, Tracy. Go whoop that motherfucker. There he is. Get his ass. And I said, Oh, shit. Time to leave, Robert. Because <laughs> Tracy is a big 6'5 grizzly Adam looks at someone got a big old grizzly man beard and you're and 16 I'm 1645 yeah. pounds and so 
we didn't want to just run. You know, you, you got to get that cool run. Just walking yeah. fast. Yeah, walking walk <laughs> fast because we had the bitches there looking at it. Yeah. So we kind of yeah. we go around there where uh, uh, the pool hall is now. Uh, Sticks. Yeah. Or Fat Alberts. Fat Alberts, yeah. So we head around there where our truck was parked. What about that time I heard it? Hey, come here! And it's old Mike Malone, the owner of, of the, the bar. And he comes over there and he starts giving me hell about you know, causing trouble. And I said, no, sir, no, no, no. Finally, I had all of it. He goes, well, all I know is you don't come in here, you know, no, no, no. And I said, well, hey, I can't help it. Your bouncer's a bunch of fucking pussies. <laughs> and uh, so I turned to go off and go get in her truck and leave. Then I hear him off. Get him, Tracy. Fuck that son of a bitch up. So Tracy hollers at me. Hey, won't you pick on somebody your own size? I'm like, <laughs> Really? I'm 140 I said, pounds. I said, every son of a bitch in there was way bigger than me, and I'm going to whoop your ass just like I whooped their ass if, if you don't quit fucking with me. I said, I'm trying to leave. Well, then he come to me. Pow. I knocked him out. Looked like you shot him with a buffalo gun. <laughs> he slid down there. I grabbed my throat, and I go pound his ass, and then some other cowboy kicks me in the ear. I chase him around the goddamn truck, and I catch him, and I whoop his ass. And then old Mike Malone's going, just get in your truck and leave. I said, I've been trying to leave this son of a bitch for an hour now, and y'all keep lining up trying to whoop my ass. Did you go back in there ever? <laughs> no. Funny story. You know my brother, Lance. Yes. Lance. Uh, he used my, to go there a lot. I used oh, to see yeah. him there all the time. He got thrown in jail uh, later on in life because they had a – because that wasn't my last showdown at Shine Cattle Company. Mm -hmm. And then when it turned in Stetson's, it got, hell, I got to fight with five of them bouncers up there on my bachelor party up there one night. And, uh, but <laughs> after that, they, uh, they put my poster on the door up there. Do not let this guy in. And uh, my brother comes in there a week later, and they arrest him because he looked like he me. Looked like you. Even though he showed yeah. him his ID. Yeah. No, that's my brother. He got a criminal trespass just for me. <laughs> so, but anyway, my brother calls me the other day. I went by there and stopped, and I was bullshitting. He goes, yeah, you remember old Mike Malone? I said, yeah, I own bar. He goes, yeah, he owns that West End bar there at, uh, uh, over on Southwest Parkway now by El Chico. I said, oh, no shit. He goes, yeah. You know, I, hell, I've been talking to that guy for four or five years. And then uh, the other day I was telling him, I said something about you, and he goes, he goes, you know Clay Reed? He goes, yeah, that's my brother. He goes, Clay Reed, your brother? And boy, you could see his face just melt. He goes, that motherfucker cost me a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, he's never been the same guy with me ever since. <laughs> what about, so when you had the tent, did you, did you date at the tent? Did you have girls come out at the whole house and stuff? Legendary. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly lived, yeah, she, she, me and her were dating at that time. And then we had, the, matter of fact, the last night of the tent days is when uh, I had, uh, I'll just say Crystal and Amy, because. Yeah, we don't need to leave last yeah, night. Yeah, they know who they are. We got, <laughs> we, we got out there and we were, we were I, I had a bottle of, uh, of uh, uh, shit, Chivas Regal. Look, come in a bottle or something that looked like a. Fancy scotch. Yeah, well. No, it wasn't it then. It was, no, Chablis Blanc or something. It was a champagne. Oh. It, it, it come in a bottle that looked like uh, moonshiner, you know. That's the only reason I bought it, because <laughs> it had you pull it up like you was drinking moonshine. Nastiest taste of shit. That and uh, Mad Dog 2020. Woo! Mad and Dog I was trying to You were spending a lot of money on these girls. Huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were high class. And, <laughs> and, and, and so, 
I was trying everything I could to get them loaded, and uh, <laughs> I had a canoe that come across that you know, in that that little tank of mine. We call it Lake Okeechobee, and uh, so I'm serenading, you know, with the moon's bright, you know, and I'm oh solo mio, you know, I'm going drunk or shit, and I I told him. You know, we was passing that bottle around, and them, my, them two colts that I had up there, they were right at the edge of the water. And I hit the edge of that goddamn canoe with that oar, and it went boom, and them <laughs> two colts turned and run right through the middle of my goddamn tent. Oh. And uh, then the shit hit the fan, and that was the last day of the tent. That was it. And that's when I said, well, I'll shack up with Kelly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But she, yeah, I had some bad times with that old. But hell, them people, I'd go over there and I'd bathe every day. You know, when I got yeah. done day working cowboy and I'd come down there and I'd hang my cowboy hat and everything up there. Hell, them people would come from miles around, just come down there and take pictures. You old, old bum living down by the tank. So tell us about <laughs> tell us about the gas station in Archer City because that's some good stories. With the old men or the domino guys. Oh, the domino guys? Oh, yeah. When, when I first moved back, we lived at Dundee. And I moved into town, and right there at town, which I've coached kids, you know, uh, uh, football and baseball and boxing and everything. Else. Like, I love jacking with kids. And uh, so I lived over there on Sycamore Street, and right three houses down with me was an old man named Bill Crow. And he was like my surrogate granddad because I never really had a granddad, you know. And I'd go down there, and he had an old field right back behind him, and he, he let me practicing boys i made me a baseball field back there in that back matter of fact before he died he will he give me that 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 lot where i could we call it the crow field now and uh but old bill there was there were several characters he had he had a garage in the back of his deal and he had two domino tables so every day when i come in i have to go down there to the domino parlor which is his garage and get my knowledge from these (laughs) old men i had Marvin Henry, I had Lawrence Barron, I had uh, Bill Crow, Raymond Johnson, uh, uh, Bobby Blackman. There, there's a bunch of them, and I, I think there's really, I guess Marvin may be the only one left alive. And uh, but they were they were hilarious. And uh, but we had a Lawrence Barron, which he was he was like 900 years old, but he was a funny. <laughs> he was he's always. Hard ass, you know, had a, had that old stern look on his face, and but uh, one day I uh, can't remember who it was, one of them old guys that they was talking about pussy, you know, and he said, uh, he said, yeah, hell, at my age, I'd rather have a good shit than a good piece of ass. And old <laughs> old Lawrence is sitting there, and he had them dominoes. He's looking down at them dominoes. Never even picked his head up, and he goes. Well, either I don't know how to shit or you don't know how to fuck. <laughs> and I guarantee you, we laughed till we heard over that. And uh, but they were they were hilarious. And uh, and the only time that I ever won, because these 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 old men took their dominoes serious. Yeah. And you know, and I played every day with them, and I, and I sucked. You know, hell, I you know, I got an eighth grade education, and and I guarantee it wasn't in math. And so, you know, I'm sitting over there trying to take all my deal. They knew what I had before I knew what I had. But but if I had Bill Crow to the right of me feeding me rocks, 
he would feed me rocks just to let me score, and it would drive them old men batshit crazy. Quit giving him them goddamn rock, goddamn. <laughs> I won ten times in ten years, and every time they did it, they were mad for a month. Yeah, but I mean, they them guys, they were legendary. <laughs> One day, they, my field, we were going to. I asked though, there was a, a math teacher over there named Judd Gray. I said, hey Judd. I said, don't you got one of them tractors over there with the big tiller on it and till up my infield for me over there? He goes, yeah, 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 I got it. I said, well, can you come up here and till that for me tomorrow? He goes, yeah. So next day, old Judd Gray come out there and old Bobby Blackburn come out there. And we're sitting there and we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it and measure it out and all this. And all of a sudden, I looked over there to my right. And there's a house right there. And there's this gal sunbathing with nothing on but a, a thong. And she has got the biggest set of beautiful titties you ever seen in your life <laughs> laying there. And uh, I said, boy, there's something you don't see every day. That's awesome. <laughs> and old Bobby Blackburn, he says, I'm mowing your field for free. <laughs> <laughs> and he did. Every day he would mow that daggum deal. And then because uh, a couple of days later, next thing you know, her sister's out there oh, with her doing the same thing. No way. And I mean, and, and I mean, that's awesome. And these are, you know, 30 year old women. And, uh, yeah. well, it was, it pissed me off because we were, my wife was babysitting for, for a lady. She's a school teacher up there. She walks in the house one day to pick her kid up from work. She goes, You know what's going on down the street? So and so's down there and they're laying out there sunbathing in with nothing on, with her tits just raised up in there. And I said, I got to go. <laughs> she winds up and going and tells her mama, and they quit sunbathing. And I didn't, had to pay somebody to mow my damn field. Yeah. <laughs> Paint you them been, with titties. You, you coach youth football, baseball, yeah. just about everything, don't you? Yeah. Now, let, let's talk about your kids a minute. Because you, you've got a son that's a Marine. Uh-huh. And a son-in-law that's a Marine, too, right? Am I right he, about no, that? he's a captain in the Air Force. Is he, he a pilot? Yeah, okay. yeah. He graduated from the Air Force Academy, played football up there. He's stud. Yeah, he's badass. That's some gun. He, he he was doing some training up there at uh, Alaska the other day. He was up there for like a month. He, they're stationed at Okinawa, but he's up there and he he, he weighed like one ninety six. He squatted like seven fifteen and bench press three seventy and then deadlift. I mean, he's strong. He went to he went to school at Ryder one. Four gold medals up there and shot and discus and, and then but but yeah he's he's a pilot. Well, hold on before we get into that, let's talk about this guy coming to pick your daughter up for a date because we've went out with lots of girls in our lives, so you had to go over and meet some daddies. So I'm assuming coming over to meet Clay Reed is not the easiest thing. Yeah, well, well for James, he's just one of them guys that's unfazed by anything. <laughs> I mean, he he did, you know and. You know, and th- I think they did a lot of dating beforehand. Before, and, uh, before, yeah, before she yeah, took me home to yeah, daddy. Yeah, before yeah. she brought home to daddy, and uh, so it wasn't a it wasn't a big deal. So you your know, wife I, knew about this guy before you did. Probably. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody knew about it before me, but now nah, he's one of them guys. He he's the same level at all times. <laughs> you ain't but a funny something. He's got the you know he don't say a whole hell of a lot. But the, him and his guys, if you can ever go back and look, they they used to build. Uh, they had a one of their buddies that's a technical guru, and uh, boy, they built videos and ad lib songs, you know. And uh, James was always the Mexican in the dadgum deal. He would always <laughs> because 
he's a uh, Italian guy, you know, and uh, but he's dark complexed and all that. So, but they they done some great videos, but but he he he's a good dude. Now your youngest daughter, Lindy, she's a hell of soccer. I mean, a softball player, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, she played with some. Did she play? She played baseball with the boys, didn't she? Oh yeah, and dominated, right? Oh yeah, yeah. She was good. Yeah, and, she was my number two hitter on them boys. And, and then she she plays softball, and or she has a damn good softball program. Uh-huh. And she's one of the studs on that team. Yep, she's she, catcher, is that right? Yep. She just got first team all district. Yeah. Yep. Now, does she have a boyfriend now? Yes, she does. You get along with him very well. Yeah, but he's a Winthorpe boy. Oh, okay. Uh-oh. Yeah, Winthorses are rival. Now, that's where Matt McQuarrie's living now. Matt McLemore? No, Matt McQuarrie. Matt You know Matt? Went to Ryder. Yeah, it seems like it. Matt lives at Ryder. Mark and Matt, they're brothers. Everybody's moving over there. He lives in Winthorpe. His sons play baseball over there. Good athletes. Really? Mm -hmm. I'll be dang. Now, now for those of y'all listening that aren't from Texas, our rivalries here are serious. Deadly. I mean, and they go back generations. So when he says he lives in Winthorst, I mean this is like that's Hatfield and McCoy's right there. 12, yeah, that's twelve that miles away, ten, ten. So same distance as Knox City and Mundy, basically. Yeah, and, and a lot of hatred. A lot of hatred. And, and, I mean, I got a lot of friends over there, but you know, and we all chum it up, and we'd all this. Yeah. But when we go home, ah, that goddamn Winthorst son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. So, your they, da- so your daughter's yeah. dating a boy from Tit Twitch in Texas. Exactly, like he's a tit puller. Yeah. Yeah, Winthorpe, Texas has a lot of uh, dairy. So yeah, they're that, German that's the tip switcher. But, but no, he's he's good. Well, the thing I do like about him is he's going to bring some leg to the Reed family. Uh, you know, because he's like six three, he's sophomore yeah. six three, and uh, so. So you think she's going to marry him now? Oh shit! You never can tell. But <laughs> she, she's not never been a, a big boyfriend guy. And she's kind of like her mom, you know, when she get hooked. So it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> and, he, and he is a good, good kid. And his, his family's good kid or a good people. And, and uh, so, hell, I'm rooting for him. But but I keep an eye on him. <laughs> Y'all come in there and he's on the couch the other day. Better get your hands back, son. <laughs> and we ain't that good a friend yet, boy. <laughs> Slap a knot in your head. Since you've got kids in the military, I want to ask you this then. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go into the, the – we're going to talk politics for a second. How do you feel about the NFL people not standing up for the flag? That's the stupidest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, if you want to make a stand, that's fine. Make a stand on your own time. But you're you're working for an employer. Right. I mean, and that's just the bottom line of whether I believe what they believe and they don't believe in it. But the bottom line is you work for an employer, a company, and that company is about making money. And when them boys get out there and they uh, uh, take a knee, uh, uh, it's bad for the company. Yeah, they're costing it, money. Oh, it costs them millions and millions of money. And uh, nobody's going to support that. Hey, they don't like it. I mean, you know, it's like old Kaepernick. He's paying a, a, a price yep. for it. You know, but he sucked anyway. I, don't <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody talked. I was watching a sports show yesterday, and they were talking about, well, he he's a viable quarterback. I said, that's a bit suck. Yeah. I said, but, but regardless, you know, and, and what's bad about some of these people that are kneeling? They ain't got a goddamn clue what, no. what about what they're kneeling for. That's, right. That's like Kaepernick mm. wearing a you know got that daggum Cuban boy uh, Castro. Castro. Yeah, Castro wearing that shirt who stands for e- everything that he's against. Yeah, oh, he's big on oppression. Yeah, and, and you know it's like with the cops and 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 all that. And I said, man, they just don't. That's why I did a radio show up there at the World Champion. I said, that's why our hunting 
these hunting contests, it's going to come to an end. And he said, well, how do you figure that? I said, well, because 5% of the of the uh, the numbers are going to get us. I said, because 5% of the uh, nation are hunters. 5%. Yeah. So we're going to lose votes. And, you know, say us living over here in small-town America, you know, we're going to have two or three kids. All right? Well, then people in the, in the, in the, in the uh, ghettos and wherever, you know, they're having eight kids. All right? Well, you got eight uneducated uh, kids that's going to wind up being voters for long. Yep. And so it's easily easy to influence them guys against us. So they're going to have their eight against our three. Well, our three, even in, in small towns like Knox City and Archer City, the percentage of the population that hunting the, big, the small towns isn't like it used to be either. No. I mean, these these kids don't grow up hunting and stuff uh -uh. like that. You know, used to be in a small town, every kid and every family hunted. You don't see that no more. No. And that's our fault. Yeah. We're not educating. You know, that's why I'm big on, hey, uh, you know, the guy said, well, yeah, when I was when I was young, we did it. And I said, whose fault is that? Right. That ain't their fault. That's our fault. You know, and that's why uh, it's up to us. All right. You know, it's one thing for me to go educate my kids. Right. Mm -hmm. All right. But what we got to do is we got to step out of our box and go because there's a lot of single moms around there and a yeah. lot of absentee. Uh, uh, families around, you know, where the dad is non-existent. We got to step up as good guys mm -hmm. and go over there and mentor, mentor yeah. them kids that ain't ain't uh, as privileged. Right. But uh, you've got to educate them, them little old turds. And and all they're taught is what they're taught. Yeah. I mean, and so if you have Joe Bob over here saying. Oh, the guns are bad. Guns killing people everywhere. Or, or we need abortions and da da da. You know, that's all they know. So, tell me, tell, tell me some stories about you and Mitch. You got to have some good tales from on the road. Mitch, <laughs> well, Mitch is Mitch McLemore, and he's a head football coach. And he was a assistant football coach here in Knox City for five years. Andy played football under him. Good family friends with us. I mean, really good family friends of ours. They moved to Stanford. They won a couple state championships. Now he's a head coach at Big Spring. Yeah, and we got to remember he's a head coach at Big Spring, so we got to kind of watch what we <laughs> oh, say. Oh yeah. So Mitch, I'm on your side here. So if you and Kim are listening well, to this, I, I told him I wasn't gonna pull no punch. I was gonna tell him about we used to date in high school, and uh, he figured out that I wouldn't put out, and he left me. <laughs> and, uh, and, but it wasn't no big deal. I, I moved on. I moved on. <laughs> no, me and Mitch, big buds. I mean, he's like a brother to me. And uh, but as far as funny stories. We, when we hunted the world championship up there this this uh, in December, we get up there and I'm fatigued. You know, I ain't had no sleep. I'm tired, and we finally get out of that Spanish Fort, Utah, at, at like 10:30. We head back to Texas. We're driving back. Well, I have had these. I got these. They're kind of like red wing boots, but they're hunting boots. But but they're very tight on, on, around the tops of my leg, and. Uh, and I've got to get them off because I've had them for, on for three days. You know, I've got to get them off nonstop. They've been on my feet. Feet are sweating. I'm starting to have get a little claustrophobic. <laughs> so I pull pull over, and I can't get some bitches off. And and I pull over the side of the road. You know, it's like by this time we're at a little old town as you head toward Moab. And, and we pull off on the side of the road, right outside of town. I said, Mitch, I gotta get these goddamn boots off. I said, get over and help me. I can't get them. I can't get them off. So now I'm having kind of a panic down. So we're picture this. We're sitting on the side of the road. I kick open the door, right? I turn over there, and I said, 
get this son of a bitch off of me. And so Mitch comes over there. We're on the side of the road in the middle of the night. I'm laying in my driver's seat. I've got one leg uh, in between my door, open door, and I got one leg down here. Mitch has got my leg, my boot in between his legs, and he's pulling backwards, pulling backwards. Well, it ain't a pretty sight. It don't look like he's trying to take my boot off, you know, on the side of the road. Here comes a car. Here comes the car. And old Mitch, he's a jerking and a jerking and a jerking. I'm going, uh, 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 get that some. And it, it looks like we're doing something obscene on the side of the road. And finally that car stops, backs up, and turns around. So somebody in Moab, Utah is going, you don't know what these sons of bitches are doing down there in the middle of the road. I we, just, we, we finally had to get a knife and cut the son of bitch off. I was just trying to get this son of bitch off was all I was doing. <laughs> yeah. That's all I was doing. I was grunting. I was doing my part. Has Mitch, has Mitch cleaned his truck out since he left Knox City? No. 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 And uh, the only time he gets a clean truck is when he gets a new truck. When he gets a new one. Yeah. And uh, and I can't chunk no rocks because I'm that same guy. You'll go out there in that pickup right now, and there's 48 bags uh, also burritos and honey mustard and I mean there ain't no telling what you'll find it but Mitch is he's just as bad but no he, he he's bad but you got everything you need that's what Ron always says Ron's, well, got, what, Ron's got a nasty truck and he's shit he knows where everything's at exactly that's what I call the filing cabinet mm -hmm. but I tell you what hunting with Mitch and Hutch uh, Wayne Hutchison who's I'm talking about well, he's the other guy that's yeah, Lubbock Monterey's head football coach. Yeah, Lubbock Monterey. Me, me and Hutch, you know, Hutch is Mr. Pretty Boy. Yes, he is. Oh, Mo Hutch. Got to look you know, good in the parking lot. Yeah, and he's organized. I mean, and he's a good cop. Mitch is a bad cop. And when you put us three stooges together, it was hilarious. I mean, but I remember the first time that me and, well, one, first year we hunted, me and Mitch and Hutch, well, of course, me and Mitch are like brothers, but Hutch don't really, he knows me. He knows I'm tough guy, angry all the time, you know, hothead, some gun. And he, so he's he's a little, you know, hey. A little nervous <laughs> right yeah, yeah, he's nervous. Well, I get a little loud, and we're sitting there, and we're hunting one night, and Mitch and Hutch and them are up in the rack. And we needed a cat. We knew we needed a cat. And that some gun, uh, here comes a cat. And that cat gets, and I've got shotgun. And that cat comes up there 10 yards from me. And I shoot that cat, and that cat runs off like he ain't never been. And Mitch goes, you missed him. <laughs> there ain't no fucking way I miss a goddamn cat from fucking 10 yards with a goddamn shotgun. In. Well, that had started the fight, me and him. <laughs> and I guarantee you, Hutch thought we were, we were going to blow because yeah. I am, you son of a bitch, but a boo. Well, he run the fuck off. What are you doing? And he said, why do we so much out here? Well, I mean, we are mad. And uh, so then we... We didn't talk for four hours. Wow. And then Mitch misses one. He misses one with a rifle. And I said, oh, yeah. He goes, did I get him? I said, fuck no, you missed him. <laughs> I said, he goes, no, I think I got him. I said, yeah, I think I got that goddamn bobcat, too. <laughs> that started again. Started right. again. But we went, we went back that next morning. Sure enough, I shot that bobcat. Really? He run 150 yards out there and died. But hell, goddamn! You shoot a damn bobcat with number four butt from ten yards. Bigger. You would think air would blow, or at least knock him down. <laughs> like he never even phased him. He just run off. But, but old Hutch, he, and, and when Hutch, we go hunting. If it ever got cold, 
Hutch was light man from then on out because I guarantee he ain't going to take no coach. He'll look like the Michelin man. I guarantee he'll have every goddamn deal, uh, every piece of clothing he could put on. And if, and if he didn't have it, we was going to the Walmart and Stanford to get some more. Oh, he's hilarious. We had a lot of fun. So we had a kid that worked for us for a couple of years that come down and grew up, got out of high school. He worked for me in high school. He's a bird boy for us. Got out of high school. Come down to Arkansas, and he cowboyed for you a little bit. Austin Valamont. Oh, yeah. Is Austin still around? Yeah. Austin's no longer with me, but Austin's a good kid. But uh, I screwed him up. I, uh, I, I I hooked him up with a good-looking girl. Now, he got married. Is that the gal he married? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and when this is Buddy mine's daughter, Rowdy Robinson, good, another good son of a bitch. And, uh, and I told him, and he had, he had kind of an old, I'll just call her plain girlfriend, you know, coming in from New Mexico. And uh, <laughs> and she might have been a little chunky. But, but anyway, he, he, he had, he had he, all, his only dealings were with, you know, ugly girls. It, it, this is just my opinion. And well, anyway, I set him up with his wife. I said, hey, boy. I said, hell, you got, I got my buddy's daughter over here. I said, man, y'all are a match made in blah, 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 blah. I said, but I'm going to tell you. Now, God dang it, I said, you be nice to her because that's my buddy's daughter. And she's kind of the marrying type. I said, you know, she's. And well, boy, he was scared of you because I told him when he called me about going to work for you. Yeah. I told him, I said, you don't want to jack with him. I said, he'll slap your ears off. And yeah. I don't think Austin believed me until he got down there around you. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, because he got some good ass you. Well, the day he left, he got a pretty good one. That he couldn't tolerate it. And uh, but 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 the bad thing was when Austin first went to work for me, that was the working his son of a gun. I guarantee that's all he all day long. He's riding yearlings. He's doing all that. But when I set him up with the good gal, it's over. Oh, it, it over. when the good booger, he's it. When he, <laughs> when it, when when it was that, it was over. He was in love with her, and boy, Can't he was in a hurry. He was in a hurry. Well, I'm done. Ten o'clock. I'm going to her house. Well, then he quit doing his chores. Quit messing with Dale, and then, uh, and then finally, uh, he he. He really screwed up, and I called him. I called him everything but a white man. I said, "You son of a gumbo!" I jumped his ass, and and uh, he left. <laughs> he was gone, and uh, he got married. But he was good hand, good kid. And I have no ill will. He's a good kid. He got in a fight up here. Or something. Remember that? Do you remember? Oh yeah, that? he got his, and, his ass whooped. And, and didn't know that guy could fight. And then after the fight, after, after it was over, he told Zach, our middle son. He goes. Well, why didn't you tell me he was a fighter? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. So you just going to go get that. in a fight with somebody that's not a fighter, you know? <laughs> you need to do your homework beforehand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he come back, he had a big old black eye, and he was like, whoa, the guy can fight. Yeah, he got whooped his ass. He did. Though. Yeah, he did. Well, y'all didn't tell me he was a fighter. That's what he but told no, him afterwards. He's good hand, good kid with a horse, good hand. and and uh, But, you know, I, I tell you, he reminds me. Of me with my practice wife. With my practice <laughs> because, wife. I mean, she leads him around like on a chain. <laughs> like a zombie. And, uh, but no, he'll, I wish him the best. He's a good kid. But he is a kid. And he got a lot to learn. And uh, But, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of guys down there. That's like my, my oldest boy. He's he's ready to whoop my ass. He, uh, uh, the other day, and uh, of course he lived is with Is he him. the Marine? No, no, no. This is my oldest boy. He's, okay. Hell, he's been a white water. He's the wild man. He was my, what we call Jake, we call him the guinea pig. 
<laughs> he's a redneck child first born yeah. which is a guinea pig because redneck don't have a goddamn clue how to be a daddy <laughs> and, and you know i've got a long list of Every time I do something and it damn near kill him, I'd re- I'd bring out my notebook. Don't do that again. And I, and I mean, it's amazing that that boy lived. I guarantee I've done some shit with him that I wouldn't even dream about doing with my young kid. And I mean, hell, I had him seven years old out there. We'd run, run them damn wheat fields, run wide open across them boggy ass wheat field, biggest horses, chase whatever in the deal. I put him on bronc. I got him bucked off one day, knocked him smooth out when he was like 10 years old on a bitch that he didn't have no business riding. He hit the pipe, knocked him out, thought it killed him, and I told him, don't tell your mama, and uh, he told his mama. He told his mama. And, uh, but, I mean, yeah, that one day, he was, uh, I guess he was about nine years old. He said, Daddy, I want to be a bull rider. I said, you want to be a bull rider? I said, all right, your daddy used to be a bull rider, which I sucked. I was the worst bull rider in the world. <laughs> and uh, so, anyway... I lived at Dundee. I took me an old squeeze chute that had a gate that opened to the side, you know. I worked it up. It's July, hot. And I pulled that old squeeze chute up there, got it all fixed up. Of course, the arena is solid rock, rock quarry. Mm-hmm. And I'd be all right. He's tough. And I, <laughs> so I, I just so happened I had three 500 pound wild ass Maverick yearlings that I'd roped off the place. And so, uh, and they are wild. So I get it all put together and build me a little alley to put them in the chute up there. And I get it all hooked up and work my ass off. And I finally, I said, all right, boy, get ready. And I go get my rope. He go gets my bull rope and he comes out there. Well, I go to put one of them calves in that chute. And this son of a bitch ain't going to go. <laughs> so he runs down there, runs down there. And all of a sudden, that son of a bitch kicks me in the goddamn thigh. <laughs> son of a bitch. God. So now I lose my shit. So I go to get this calf. I get the calf in the headlock, run him over, flip him over, chew on his eyeball a minute. He jumps up, head busts me, bloodies my nose, jumps in my water trough that I worked all day the day before, <laughs> brand new rubber made water, kicks a hole in it, screws up my goddamn uh, float, uh, brand new float valve I put on, destroys everything. Now I really lose my shit. <laughs> I grab that goddamn 500 pound kid and jump on him. I've got both fingers in his eyes. I'm chewing on his nose. And then, you motherfucker, and I finally pick him up and I grab him in the headlock and I drag it some bitch all the way in that chute. <laughs> and I'm, I'm huffing and puffing. I've got mud all over me, blood all over me, some mine, some his. And I said, all right, boy, get on. Of course, Jake and Dawson, my other boy, who's like two at this time, he I don't want to ride, Daddy. And said, oh, yeah, yeah. you going to fucking ride this something, and you're going to like it. <laughs> and he goes to screaming, Daddy, I don't want to do it. Get on this son of a bitch. So I put him on there, and I opened that goddamn chute, and I said, now sit over the top, son. Get over there. I'm giving him instructions. And hell, as soon as I opened that chute, his head went up, and it hit the top bar of that goddamn squeeze chute come out. Damn near knocked him out. Flew over there. He's screaming and hollering. He gets up, I don't ride no more. And I said, oh, yeah, you got two more. And I said, Kelly, go get me the football helmet. <laughs> she goes, Clay, he's adding this. I said, fuck you. I said, get your ass in there and get that goddamn helmet. So he come out there, and he, we put a helmet on, and he rode him last two. Never want to be a bull rider again. That's good parenting, then. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. weaned him, but no, Jake, he's good shit. But hell, the other day, he was supposed to show up and help me work cattle. And, uh, well, he didn't show up, and I was like, no big deal. We had him in a lot already. 
I said, uh, I sent him a chat, uh, text. I said, hey, where you at? He sends me one back. I said, overslept. Said that I said, well, I got plenty of help. Don't worry about it. Goddamn, later on the day, we're waiting on trucks. I sent a Snapchat to John Moss. He tried to no-show me that morning. I said, well, I have one no-show me and one almost no-show me. My boy saw that. He gets on Snapchat, and he goes on a rant how he's going to beat my ass. He's going to, I didn't say sorry, son of a, I mean, go. Your dad, your son's going to whip your ass with My son. He's going to kill me. He's going to beat my ass. That old man, da, 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 da. And he tried this once already during <laughs> varsity football practice. So I don't see this Snapchat until lunch. Old John Moss, he goes, boy, did you see what Jake put on Snapchat? And I said, no. Finally, he shows me, boy, and I said, I am past. And I am headed to Archer City. I called my son and said, where you at? And he goes, fuck you, I'm going to beat your ass. I'm going to be here. He goes testifying how he's going to whoop my ass. I said, well, all you got to do is pull over because I'm coming in hot to Archer City right now. <laughs> and uh, luckily, we didn't, we didn't wind up finding each other. Meeting each other. He said, why? i tell you what, I ain't 17 anymore. And I said, yeah, yeah you're right. <laughs> I said, now you're fat with two bad knees. He said, I'll beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but he's the shit. Yeah, he's been trying to whoop my ass. I remember he was 12. He tried to whoop my ass. He was 90 pounds. He he'd, he'd fucked up and let some cattle out. And I told him, I said, i tell you what, you little son of a bitch. I said, you're going to stay here and put them goddamn cattle out. We're going to go eat lunch because it's like 3 o'clock and it's hot. I said, we're going to go eat. And he's hungry as we are. And I'll be damned if he didn't get around them goddamn cattle fast and got them all put up. He come running to the gate. I'm, I'm <laughs> on the gate he comes running to the gate hiding in it through me he jumps in the back of that man pickup and uh he's bawling he's the goddamn man and uh, he says uh and old randy simpson he goes jake i wouldn't take that shit off of him i whoop his ass jake probably weighed 90 pounds maybe 90 pounds and i said he ain't gonna do nothing but sit in the back of that goddamn truck and cry like a little bitch baby he is boy when i say that that little bastard come flying out of that truck I said, what the hell are you going to pop, 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 pop? <laughs> Some bitch hit me about four or five times, blowed my nose, my nose. I said, you little bastard. I said, I'm going to pop, 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 pop. He hit me four times. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So I was rolling down. I said, yeah, nothing. He said, one of these days, I'm going to whoop your ass. I said, well, it ain't today. Get in the goddamn truck. Yeah. So, would you would you consider yourself pretty hard-headed? You. Uh, yeah. Very, very hard-headed. So how much do you weigh right now? 250 pounds. 250 pounds. And you decided you was going to run a marathon, right? Yeah. That, that is a testimony to my hard-headedness. I, I, I'm very impressed. Yeah. I'm very impressed by that. So tell everybody how that all went down. Well, it started, you know, I, I, my daughter got married to the pilot, James. And, uh, you know, well, when, when it got, got ready to go get married to uh, him, I decided I wasn't going to take no fat boy wedding pictures you know so i went on deal and i wind up losing some weight well i lost like 20 pounds got down there hell went and got me some goddamn fancy teeth you know one of them damn uh uh flipper deals and you know i said i'm gonna, I'm gonna be you know i ain't taking no ugly ass goddamn <laughs> wedding picture well you got your what now fancy what uh hollywood teeth it, it, you know hell uh goddamn veneers well they're I don't know what the hell you call them, but they're like false teeth, kind of like them little girls do on them, uh, 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 them talent contests or pretty contests. You know, it just goes over your deal. It's okay. just like false teeth. Call them the Hollywood teeth. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I, I was going to look good for my goddamn daughter's wedding picture. And so we did. Well, after it got over with, I said, hell, I'm going to try to 
I'm going to try to, you know, because I've lost this weight, I, I'd like to keep myself motivated, you know, and, and maintain it. Because it felt good. God damn, it felt so good. And uh, so I go down there and I said, uh, so I'm going to run a marathon. Well, immediately, one of the one of the uh, boys that I knew, uh, he, he said, uh, Coach, he said, uh, I don't think you realize how far 26.2 miles is. He said, I'll bet any amount of money you got that says you don't get that done. And I said, well, I'll tell you what, Hoss, I got $1,000, says I do. And uh, he goes, no, no, no. Oh, I ain't got that much. I said, well, don't fucking pop off on Facebook if you ain't going to back it up. Oh, he put it on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on Facebook talking on this. And uh, and he goes, and so I kind of shamed him. He said, all right, I'll, I'll bet you. I'll bet you. You're on. Well, then Hellway Knight says, I want some of that action. And uh, I said, all right, you got it. And then so, hell, I've got like $3,000. Another guy, he says he wants something. That's a lot of motivation there. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. So I got $3,000. Bet on it. Of course, I'd already figured out that I was going to uh, donate all the money to inter Interfaith Ministries over at Wichita because they do a lot with homeless people. And with me actually being a homeless person at 13, you know, I had it. So anyway, I was going to raise money for them. And that speaks to the person that Clay Reed is. Besides the rough, tough guy, you're very caring and do a lot for kids. Oh, yeah. People I, always judge a book by its cover. I do all the time oh, still. Yeah. But there's a whole lot more to this book than what you see on the outside. Exactly. So yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So anyway, I, I was going to donate all the money on there. Well, then I got to thinking. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I, while I'm raising money for the uh, charity, people could sponsor me for every mile that I run. You know, say, I've, Jeff donated a dollar for every mile. If I run a mile, I get $26. And so it started that. Wind up, well, when it got done, I started running June, June 29th. December 5th is when I ran that marathon. In the meantime, I run 412 pounds. When I started on June 9th, 29th, I weighed 250 pounds. I said, boy, when I get December 5th, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look like freaking, I'll be studly like I was in the old days. I'll be back down there at 180. I'll be, yeah, it'll be on. I'll be after carrying a bat, beat all the bitches off of it. And uh, I said, hell yeah, this is going to be good. Well, 30 minutes after I run that goddamn marathon, I weigh 250 pounds. <laughs> I run 412. You got to lose something on accident. I was like, are you shitting me? Hell, I went and got the biggest chicken fries. Yeah. I mean, I did all that. but And then, and then my guys, uh, uh, the two other guys, the two kids that bet me, they welched on the bet. Well, you figured that, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. Hell, that one guy was making a goddamn fortune in the oil field. Oh. I didn't see it coming along. I hadn't had, matter of fact, he, he defriended me on the Facebook. He, so he's avoiding you. Oh, yeah. He's no contact ever since. <laughs> and, uh, and then Wade, he's, well, I didn't bet you. I said, I, said, I got it on the daggum deal. I said, I got evidence that you paid for it. <laughs> but anyway, regardless, I wind up making about three grand for the interfaith ministry. Now, but. is it a rumor, or did I not read the other day that you're thinking about doing this again? Or did I, am I just doing yeah, this? Yeah, I, I have been You thought, popped off, though, on Facebook. Didn't yeah, you I popped day? off. Well, I was actually going to try to go a 50 mile son Ooh. of a bitch yeah to see if but and the reason i did this because i watched the guy because you know that was two years ago and i have kind of i hadn't put on a lot more weight but i have put i need to, you know we're at that age we got to keep motivating ourselves you know we got to keep pushing ourselves yeah i'm just now and, starting to do that yeah, i'm way behind it, it, it's hard yeah and that's the deal 
if you get way behind, it's way Boy, harder yes. to get caught yeah. back up. So I'm trying to, and you know, and to be able to do things, you know, a lot of guys say you can't do. That's like, you know, when I was 46 years old, I quarterbacked our old timers football game, and hell, I had a lot of rushing yards, scored a touchdown, the whole deal, and you know, a lot of 46 year old guy. Everybody there was, you know, 20, 25 years old, and I had a blast. And they said. Well, I can't believe you do that. I said, man, you get hurt out there. I said, there ain't nothing on that goddamn football field going to hurt me any worse than that damn ranch can do at any moment. And if I was a hunter can play football, because I got that taken away from me basically by being homeless at 14 years old, 13, 14 years old. And I love football. And I, like I say, I, I, I would still play it. But, you know, that, you know, you were talking about that judging a book by a cover. I had a, when I was homeless, I used to live, sleep down there on uh, underneath the docks at the back door theater. You know, they got the old docks back in there. Had a guy that was there, his name was Mike. And Mike, you could tell right away that this old Mike was pretty articulate. I mean, he was smart. And this guy was living under the docks oh, where yeah. you were? Yeah, he was okay. a homeless guy just like the rest of them. But I could tell he, he's way different than the guy. He wasn't a drug addict, he wasn't a drunk. He, I mean, he, he, he had something. So I asked him one day because I noticed that he carried these journals with him. Yeah, I mean, leatherback, nice journals, wherever he went. And every day he wrote in them journals. And I asked old Mike one day, I said, hey, what are, you, what are you writing in them journals? And I said, no, first I asked him, I said, how'd you wind up homeless like this where we're at? And he goes, well, let me tell you, son. And he was an older guy. And, you know, he, you know, of course I was young, and he, he was probably 45. And he said, I, I'm from Pennsylvania. He said, I was a professor up there at college in Pennsylvania. He said, but uh, one day I get a phone call and said my wife and my two girls have been in a wreck killed all three of them. Mm. He said, I buried them girls and I walked away from life right there. He said, he said, man, I just lost my will. He said, now I may go back to that one day. And I said, well, what are you writing them journals? He writes every day what he does. He keeps a, a ledger of what he does of his life in those years i don't know how long he's been been in that way but this is a guy you know you know if if he drove down the road slapped my daughter when she was like 12 we were going downtown to the east side uh boys club for basketball and she, you know he sees the homeless guys down there she goes man look at them scuzzy people oh it went all over yeah. that and i said listen here I said, that used to be your daddy. I said, don't judge that guy from what circumstances he's in right now. I said, because you don't know what story he has got. And it kind of felt, made her feel worse than I really did. But it, it changed her way of thinking when it comes right. to that. Because, I mean, not every guy down there is a crackhead and a, and a drunk. Or something in their life was a catalyst to put them in there a lot of times. Heck, I remember we had that one guy that worked out there at the feed yard for us. We went down there to Faith Missions to get some guys, old B.W. Stone, picked him up. And, and he's got a big old giant uh, uh, national championship football ring wow. from Nebraska. And I said, hey, where'd you get that, that ring? He said, boy, I earned that. He said, I was a four-year starter at Nebraska Cornhusker. We won that. Da, da, da. And I said, really? I said, how'd you get where he is? Drugs. He said, I got on drugs. He goes, I sold off everything I was, but I'll never sell that big ring. <laughs> and that was another guy, you know, just circumstances get you sometimes. And and that's what got me. So now you said you had a younger brother. 
when you were home, where was your younger brother at this time when you were? When well, you were him and my sister went when when I, which I won't go into a lot, sure, a lot yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah. But, but he, I, just, I didn't know if he was with family you at this time. That, yeah, he went with my dad. Okay, and uh, sure, yeah, he went with my dad. And my my, my uh, I just wanted to clear because I'm sure somebody. I was, was old. Uh, I'll put it this way: I was the oldest guy, so I took the brunt gotcha. of the the family deal, and sure. it was an old deal. And you know, that's fine. We don't have to go in. I just didn't know if your brother was along with you at this time, or if, no, or if he went somewhere no. else. What? But what was funny is uh, he lived. Uh, when 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 I first got into homelessness, he he lived. Uh, of course, I had run away, mm-hmm. and because of the circumstances at the home, and uh, well, they lived right down the road. I lived behind Target in Wichita Falls, right behind Target. There was a set of willow trees that sit right there, and I went over to Target and I'd steal them uh, pallets and make me a little clubhouse. And that's where I lived. Wow. And uh, well, the day I jumped out of that window, I run to Brentwood Timberline Apartments and and got into. Uh, the laundromat that's where I wind up uh, staying because it was warm mm-hmm. and I like froze to death but anyway I lived in that some gun and my brother you know they just lived right over there in uh, uh, where Wendy's is you know in the Maplewood Park, Park Place now right. and so uh, so you know I saw him kind of on a daily basis mm-hmm. at, at the same time but hell I started that you know I'd go over there to uh, uh, Pizza Hut you had Pizza Hut Pizza, yeah, Pizza Inn. No, it's Pizza Hut. Yeah, it's in the Target parking lot. Yeah, I had a Pizza okay. Hut, and you had Long John Silver's, and you had Red Lobster. Well, I'd go over to Pizza Hut at night at 10 o'clock when they'd throw the food away. I'd go through their garbage and eat all the food out of the garbage. One night, I decided I'm going to go over to Red Lobster. I bet they got some good food. <laughs> Never take this down. Never eat seafood out of a trash can. <laughs> <laughs> I shit like a pet coon for two weeks over that. I got sick of the dog. So, so we wrote it down. Don't do not do that. But we, you know, We've we covered a lot, but I think that is the best uh, uh, piece of advice. That piece of advice. Don't eat, <laughs> eat seafood out of a trash can. Don't eat seafood so out of a trash can. How, how, long did you, how long were you homeless? Well, off and on. Well, a, a, after that, I lived there about six months. And then we had the flood come through there. And that was in October, and it flooded all my stuff down. So then I, I walked over to Owl Park, and I lived over there in an abandoned grain elevator. Moved in with a cousin for a little bit, and then she had too many people, you know. Uh, you know, she had about five kids, and so I had to move out with them. And, and so I, I lived off and on. Hell, I lived over there on north of Peterson Road for a time. Remember 83? Winter '83. Yes, the bad. Yeah, it bad, was horrible winter. Horrible winter. We've talked about that a lot through with Dad on some yeah. stuff. Yeah, imagine living out there on a creek bed. That's when I learned that you could st- have a fire and still freeze to death. <laughs> yeah, I lived up there north of that daggum uh, uh, 287 on Peterson Road, and I had a 55 gallon drum cut in half. That was my fireplace, and I had rocks around it, and I had pallets in there. And this is turns out it's Burt Williamson's property now, but which years later. We were cowboying in there, and I said, boys, I'll bet y'all $100 to a dozen donuts. I can go down here, and there's a 55-gallon drum. Sure enough, I said, this is where I used to live. But anyway, that winter of 83, I mean, I am down there, and I am freezing. I mean, it's so cold. Snow and ice bad, and I've got every piece of clothing I own on there. Well, I had a Kawasaki 175 Enduro. Had two flat tires, and the throttle was hung wide open. So when you start... When you, you started, were going. you were going. You better be going. 
I figured out I got to get out of here. I'm going to freeze to death. I'm going to freeze to death. So I, I figured out that I was going to ride my motorcycle from there to my dad's place, which is at Lakeside, which is about 20 miles. It's a long ride. Long ride on two flat tires and, a, and hung it wide open. And the only reason I can hung it, uh, uh, drive it on wide open is the kill switch. I go, win! I turn it off and on. He go, win! 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 <laughs> you know, back and forth with two flat tires. And me, I got Reebok tennis shoes on with every piece of sock I got on. I've got all, three pair of britches on. I'm, I've got all my clothes because I don't have no really winter gear. I've got one jacket, you know. And it's a, basically a windbreaker deal. I've got like four T-shirts over my head. I've got a ball cap, you know, and I'm using it as a, a face mask shield over my nose. I am freezing death. <laughs> and I educated a lot of people in Wichita Falls. On being poor and being rich, because when I went down 369, in my garb and my two flat tires and my deal, then people would pass me and they go, "Boy, you just thought we had it bad." <laughs> <laughs> just so I could go up there to my dad's and sleep in the barn without him him even knowing yeah. in a hay barn. So you, you you didn't finish high school then? No, hell, I didn't finish. I got <laughs> that's a funny story. I uh, I uh, sold. I went my freshman year, kind of in and out, and I lived in various places. And then uh, 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 the start of my senior year, we were fixed to play men and wells football. And I ain't ate in about freaking two days. And I had a pistol, and I took it into school. My buddy Mark Wilkerson was going to buy it, and he lived in the country, so I took a pistol up there, and they caught me with that pistol on uh, uh, school. On school, school property, I was taking guns to school before it was cool to take guns to school. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I get up there and they they arrest me and they and, and they throw me in jail and they take me over here at Wichita, and they said, uh, uh, "Well, we're gonna have to talk to your uh, dad. We need to talk to your dad." And I said, well, "Good luck. I ain't seen him in about two years." Well, we're gonna have to talk to your mom then. I said, "Well, I ain't seen her in three. They kept me three days and finally turned me out and let me loose." And, and uh but now nah, like i say i was i was homeless here and there i yeah. went to school with a girl that dated you and i'm not gonna say no names right now after the podcast we'll talk about this but i had her in a class and i remember back when all this was going on and this happened and her mother loved you to death and she used to talk about you all the time not having something to eat and all this yeah. stuff and i never realized how serious she was i just thought she's a kid like me that was a poor kid yeah that didn't have all the stuff the little rich kids did oh and that's yeah. what i thought but and, and now looking back i remember her talking about this in class and yeah see that's that was what's weird is you know a lot of people i tell these stories now they never realize it then because your pride my pride is what kept me there was a thousand different people that wanted would let me move in with them which finally when i was living on that road over in pearson road uh, a gal named Marcia and Richard Thomas. Reason I lived on that road is because my two buddies lived across the street over there. I wanted to be close to them. They had new toys and all that. Don <laughs> eating and Russell eating, old Boo eating, and it was their mom and their stepdad that come over there and said, "Hey, you need to move in with us." I said, "No, no, no. I'm all right. I'm fine. I'm, I'm starving to death, freezing to death." But I still, my pride would not let me take hold and go help them. Well, finally, Richard figured it out. He come over and said, "I tell you what, boy." So I ain't going to give you nothing. He said, but I will give you a job, and I'll I'll rent you a room for $200 a month. 
So then that's when I walked across the street and, you know, I worked it out. You know, if the, I didn't want to be gay, nothing. Pride was a bad, bad deal. And I went to work in oil field for them, and we did good for a while and lived with them, and, then, uh, and that helped. But it still didn't get me back in school. And then uh, hell, later on. But if you had a college degree right now, you'd be doing the same thing you're doing right now, living the same with the same people, doing the same things. Don't yeah, you I, yeah. You know, it, it's all about destiny. Some people mm-hmm. got, uh, you know, when they say. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. You know, when you're when you're on the verge of getting killed, you don't believe all that. But I guarantee you, you know, it'll make you stronger. And I mean, I struggle with a lot of things. You know, there's a lot of things that you know, uh, uh, you know, it's like uh, depression. A lot of people, talk, you know, there's a lot of things. There's times in my life, even now, when I got it good, good, that I got to go out, you know, and I'll have a moment. You know, there's a moment where shit catches up with you. And that's why depression kills a lot of people because sometimes that moment kill people. I got a lot of friends, their dads or their uncle or brother, and they don't understand that. But And, and it's hard to get over that. But, but it made me strong. And, and there's a lot of things like suicide, health. I, thank God I sucked at suicide. <laughs> the first time I tried it, I was 14 years old, starved to death cold had a pretty little girlfriend she just broke up with me sorry bitch and uh and and but everything got a hold of me at the same time you know you know that loop 11 bridge mm-hmm. i fell higher i go to that bridge and i'm gonna jump off that bridge and kill myself so i go down there to that bridge and it's about two o'clock in the morning and i jump off that goddamn bridge well, halfway down that bridge, I figured out I didn't want to die. <laughs> and I tried to grow wings. And I'm flapping them some bitches flapping, and I hit that damn water. And, boy, wham! Of course, it bloodies my nose. I got blood out of my eyeball, my ears. I mean, it addles me. But I, but what's worse is I sunk up to my hip because there ain't but about two foot of water in it. <laughs> and I go up, but there's about eight foot of mud. So I go up into that mud get down there and it takes me about an hour to dig my way out of that mud so i get all out of that sun gun of course my ribs are hurt my face is hurt you know i got a concussion and i come crawling out of that day and of course when you get out there you gotta go through the briars all right so when i get out i'm cut from briars bloody all this and i I walk out in the middle of the highway right there at loop 11 and a car damn near hits me <laughs> get out and of course i'm and i'm kind of stumbling around Two guys get out and said, hey, dude, you all right? And I could tell it was one of my buddies from school, Lonnie. I said, Lonnie, is that you? He said, Reed, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, man, I jumped off that bridge. Lonnie smokes a little weed in his lifetime. <laughs> Lonnie goes over and he takes a hit off that deal with him and old Bobby, and they said, do it again. I said, no, give me a ride back to Iowa Park. Yeah. And I said, I wrote that down. I said, don't, don't do that one again. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, hell, I tried several times as a young boy to kill myself. I just sucked at it. So I finally quit. Thank, Thank God. Well, tell, we, we, I know we've been doing this a long time. Two hours. You got any story on, on, on Les Macias? You got any funny Les? Les Macias? Yeah. Yeah. Les was at my house. Like, Les is from Knox City. 
Hmm? Les? Let me rephrase that. Les's family's from Knox. Oh, City. yeah. Les's yeah, mom Les, was raised here. And I mean, I've been hanging out with Les since I was 14 years old. Oh, Les. He comes by every once in a while. First time he came to the house, uh, me and Michelle first got married. And uh, Michelle come to the in, the in the back of the house, the bedroom. She goes, hey, there's a guy here for you. I go, huh? I mean, I hadn't lived in Knox City three months. Nobody knows where I live at from here. I'm like, who is it? She goes, it's some little Mexican guy with a real crinkled up cowboy hat. I said, that's got to be Les Macias. <laughs> and sure enough, it was Les Macias. Man, I got to see him. I hadn't seen him. And, you know, he has that uh, benefit bronchitis for his boy in memory of his boy. And, uh, of course, he called me. He said, hey, man, you, uh, you, uh, uh, I need you to pull the chutes for him. You and Jaime. You know, Jaime Metaska. He said, yeah, you and Jaime are going to pull the chutes for him. I said, I'm in, dude. Whatever I can do. Matter of fact, the day his boy uh, got killed, my my daughter, we were going to the Ranger game with him, and he she would have been there with him. We were going, but I, I had something come up, couldn't go. Man, that was a horrible deal. But yeah, he said, "Yeah, you're gonna you're going to uh, do the shoots for me. I need your dancing skills." <laughs> I said, "What?" <laughs> of course, he knows I get a little drunk up there. I, I, I'll entertain in between bronc rides, and we did get a which. I pulled two or three hamstrings doing the splits a couple <laughs> times. No, less good son of a gun. He yeah. is, and it's it been a hard last, what was that, eight, nine years ago? Uh, yeah, it's been hard, hard on him. And I, I can't imagine. I, I don't know how. There's no thing I could say to him because I don't know. We can't, I can't write oh, to no. him. Never run to him. Yeah, but he's a, anyways, he's a good friend of mine. But he was, he was at the house the other day. I'll be there. Yeah, that's good. Anytime he comes to Knox City, he comes He needs to come see him. But, yeah, matter of fact, I got uh, – I lost his number. He was going to come out there and start day working for him. But, hell, yeah, I've known Les. Shoot. He was there during the old war days. Yep. He seen me knock a few. Yep, matter of fact, at one night, he was there. He was sitting there, and he, there was two guys fighting. I was just watching. I was just going to watch it. And the guy finally, he was beating the hell out of the boy. And I, finally, he had enough. He, the guy was already knocked out. The guy kept booting and I said, I can't break it up. And Lowell Lesko, don't do it. You're going to wind up getting in it. No, no, I'm just going to break it up. No, he's right. He's right. The other guy wind up being knocked out. I hit him with the right. And when I come around with the left, it wasn't even there. Because when I went to try to break it up, the guy hit me right in the button. Hit me right <laughs> on the damn nose. Of course, I hit him. And, and Lowell Lesko sitting over there on the curb. I told you you shouldn't have got in it. You got, you got any Charles Steele stories? Charles Steele? Yeah. Oh, my God. That Charles Steele. I tell you, Charles Steele has the – the toughest stomach in North America. He's got to. I've seen him eat. <laughs> He's eaten here many times, right? This building. <laughs> we, we, pulled, we pulled up there at uh, – let me, let me, We're talking about Coach Charles Steele Coach from Covington, Charles, Texas. Yeah. Used to be at Knox City and Bryan. Oh, my God. Charles. Bryson, I mean. We all used to play softball together. We're headed, They called me one time. Is this the Amarillo story? Pampa. Pampa, yeah. okay, yes. Yeah, he says, uh, hey, Clay. Or what actually Brian Bullard called, but Charles with him. He said, Hey, uh, oh, we're going to play in a softball tournament. You in? I said, When is it? I said, In the morning. I said, uh, Where at? And he goes, Pampa. I said, Yeah. I said, When, uh, he, I said, when, when are we leaving? He goes, About five minutes. <laughs> I said, All right, I'll be ready. <laughs> and we headed out. We get to Chillicothe. We get over there, and oh, uh, there's a uh, oatmeal cream pies. And them oatmeal cream pies, I think, had been there. For years, <laughs> years, and old Stephen Schrader had one bite off that oatmeal cream pie, one bite, and he's already puking and throwing up. He throwed, throwed that some bitch out in the parking lot. God 
dang. Charles couldn't stand it. Immediately he is on it. He ate that whole goddamn. Oh. Stephen had one bite. And it's throwing up. Throwing up immediately. Charles ate the whole something. Ironclad stomach. We pulled into Pampa, Texas. And we stayed at the, uh, that was the year we stayed at the uh, Coronada. And we get in there and we walk in the deal. And uh, they, they bet me and old Charles we wouldn't r- uh, race butt naked through the uh, halls. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a teeny tiny guy, but Charles <laughs> is 400 and something pounds. In six foot You seven. get our two fat ass running through the hall. And of course, I was smoking his ass. <laughs> and, I come through and two poor old ladies come walking around. And they had the L around down there and they come through there and didn't phase them a bit. But oh, yeah, me and old Charles, we had a blast. He come over there, we got over there. Well, there was like 10 of us staying in one room. Stand, and I mean, staying in one room. And this Jeez. is a little bitty room at the Coronado. And, uh, and of course, we're not quiet by no means. You know, we're partying. Mm. And, yeah, we're boom, 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 chicka, chicka, boom, you know, we're bouncing in the house. Well, Charles is at butt naked. He's in the shower. He's in the shower. You know, big old giant, some gun, 12 sandwich, eating some bit. And, uh, <laughs> well, uh, well, the guys next to us were some roofers, and and they're they're beating on the walls because they're wanting us to be quiet because mm-hmm. it's 2 or 3 o'clock right. in the morning. And unfazed us, you know, and they're, hey, shut up over there. We're trying to sleep. Shut up! You know, we, we can give a shit. And all of a sudden, you can see where they had enough. Boy, all of a sudden, that door slammed. Their door slammed. Boom, boom, boom. You hear them feet stomp. They're going to really jump over here and give us a good ass you. Well, it just so happened, Charles had just got out of the shire. And all 400 pounds of his naked ass opens that door real fast. As soon as they beat on what do you want? And it was a little old Mexican boy. He said, he was, uh, y'all got an ashtray we can borrow? <laughs> <laughs> Standing there, he goes, yeah, give me a minute. <laughs> uh, it's the funniest. Thing. Not but, only is Steel 400 pounds, he's six seven six. I mean, he's a he's a giant, giant. of a man. It's like a door walking around. Oh, yeah. I mean. He's finished many a plates of mine. We go eat somewhere, and I'll be, and I'm done, and he's like, are you finished with that? Yeah. Okay. Fish off. I'll tell you a story. We went to uh, Canada fishing about, oh, shit, it's long. It don't matter, six, seven years ago. And we drove up there to go fishing. Well, me, him, and Payne ride my truck, and we're going to the Boundary Waters. We take all our shit. So we're in my truck. We stop in Oklahoma City. On the way, we leave Knox City at 3 in the morning, and we get to Oklahoma City or Lawton somewhere wrong way early in the morning get some breakfast. So we pull McDonald's because we ain't stopping. When I get on the road right. and going oh, somewhere, yeah. by God, I want to go somewhere. I ain't, you know, dilly-dallying around. So I pull into McDonald's, and I said, what do y'all want to get? And he goes, oh, I don't know. I'll get me a biscuit, sa- sausage, egg biscuits, what he said. He said, give me two of them. I said, okay. And I get two egg McMuffins. And Payne gets two sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. Well, I eat one McMuffin, and Payne eats one egg McGriddle, and I'm not eating anymore. Coach ate his two biscuits and stuff, and I put that in that sack down there. He goes, are you going to eat that? I said, no, you can have it. He said, I, said, it's a Mc- I said, that McMuffin's mine. You can have it. Oh, I've never had one of these before. I go, you've never had an Egg McMuffin before? Uh-uh. And then Payne goes, you can have mine too, that McGriddle. He goes, oh, what's a McGriddle? I say, you never had a McGriddle? He ate that McGriddle. He goes, gosh, damn, boy, I've been eating the wrong shit for a long time. <laughs> that's, got, that's got syrup in it. That's good stuff. <laughs> 
Yeah, I tell you, he's hilarious. That same trip, we get to we get to Canada where we're fishing at. Right on the Ely, Minnesota is where we're at. And we get up there and we go into a restaurant to eat dinner. And we get there and Coach goes, well, where's my envelope? Go, what do you mean, where's your envelope? He goes, where's my envelope? I can't find my envelope. I'm like, what? He goes, well, my money's in my envelope. Now, what kind of 40-year-old man carries a fucking envelope around like he's in junior high <laughs> and lost his money? Oh, shit. He, uh, my last story about Coach Steele. We had... I was at the house one day, and I had to go to Home Depot in Wichita Falls. So I was backing out, and Michelle was watering the yard or mowing the yard or whatever she was doing. And she goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to go to Home Depot and whatever the hell we had to get. We were doing something. And I said, I'm going to go by and see if Coach wants to go with me. She okay. So I pull in front of Coach. lived two blocks from me. I pull in front of his house. He comes walking out. I mean, right as I pull up, he comes walking out the front door. I go, hey. I go, you want to go to Wichita with me? I said, I'm going to go to Home Depot. i got to get some shit. Yeah, yeah, I'll go with you. He jumps in my truck, and we go. We're walking through Home Depot, and I get a text from Michelle. Is Coach with you? I was like, yeah. She goes, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, seriously, he's with you? I said, yeah, he's right here with me. You want to talk to him? No, he's a dead man. I go, what do you mean he's a dead man? She goes, Jeff, if he's with you, he is freaking dead. I go, what is going on? So I call her. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, he seriously is with you? I said, yeah, he's right here. I'm looking at him. She goes, oh, my God, he's dead. She goes, he went outside to get a screwdriver. His wife was holding a ceiling fan. <laughs> <laughs> Funny you tell that story because when we come back from Matt Pampa that first time, you know, they called me in five minutes, you know, and I jump and pick up and I go. Well, when we, we come back, me and Bullard, Brian Bullard, we're taking Charles home over there by Cityview. That's when he lived over at Cityview. And uh, he goes over and he goes, he said, Charles, where do you live? He goes, oh, I'll go up here and take a left. He goes down there and take a left. He goes, all right, now take a right. Go two blocks, take a right. We went two blocks, take a left. And he goes, all right, all right. He goes, all right, now go go left. And anyway, we go around. He gives us these most odd freaking directions. I said, Charles. Bullard tells me, he said, Charles, we're running around in circles right here. He goes, yeah, I know. I don't really want to go home. He goes, why? <laughs> he goes, well. When I left Friday, I told the wife I was going for milk. Oh, <laughs> we show back up on Sunday. I said, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's not surprised me, that guy. He's hilarious. All right, we're going to have to keep this to the end. It's two hours. Do you, have, do you guide varmint hunts? Do you do no. any guided? No. So, you're not selling guided hunts or no. anything like that? No, no. Okay. That's no, what I'm going to find out. No. You want to plug your, call it, your, your contest? Uh, yeah, the Texas Coyote Calling Championship, which will be in January, probably. I ain't got a date set on it. It'll be in January, but it's usually like the first second weekend in January. It's a good hunt. Uh, like I say, it's daylight only, uh, shotgun only. Archer yeah. City, Texas? Archer City, Texas. Can they call the Archer City Chamber of Commerce and get any kind of? Uh, probably not, but they can call me. <laughs> we'll give me your phone number then. 940-631-8820. And like I say, you hunt anywhere that, that you have permission or public land and uh it's a good hunt, and uh, you know it'll pay about eight thousand, seven to eight thousand dollars usually for you kill kill twelve cows, basically whoever killed twelve cows fastest, and then got a side pot for most cows, and uh, it'll pay uh, you know three or four thousand dollars. And but yeah, we got good sponsors like like I say Fox Pro, Fox Pro always uh, sponsors us, and uh, which them guys good 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 guys. I mean, you know a lot of people. They get into a pissing contest with all these callers and all that, but for me, it's all about the people. I mean, you can, you can probably go, you can call up a coyote with a lot of these different callers. It's, but for me, it goes back to your customer service and the guys. Of course, Fox Pro, 
if they didn't have the best caller, in my opinion, I wouldn't be using it. But uh, they do, and they're good people. They're well, so that if they want to get a hold of you, they call you. So people anywhere in the United States listening to this, if you want to get into a varmint hunting contest, you shoot a bunch of varmints at home, you can call Clay, you can come down to Texas, do whatever you want, wherever you want to hunt and get involved in this contest. Where's the world championships at this year? Well, the world championship, like I say, last year, uh, they, you know, the world championship's been like since 1962. Well, they had a guy that kind of took it over. Anyway, it's it's about halfway being disbanded because of the, the guy that was running it was, in my opinion, was a big crook. He was going, which I said that on Facebook, and he tried to, he was going to sue me so, for yeah. slander and all yeah. that. But I mean, it's a bad deal. So we've got a, a a new predator advisory board that we all come up, with, which I'm a member of, and there'll be three contests: one in Nebraska, one in Utah, and one in Virginia. And there'll be three different legs, and and we really haven't got the point system figured out on how you determine. Uh, but you win the world championship by the by yeah. The, you got to enter three three hunt. Well, the most points through three hunt. You know, so it, it'll be, and uh, but and one's in December, one's in January, and one's in February. But but yeah, there's a thousand different hunts, but they, they'll be big good deals. But and do you want to plug what we're going to do on Friday on the podcast? Friday, yeah. Listen, um, we are going to, and I posted this on Facebook. We're going to take your calls. We're going to answer your questions. Anything you got, uh, waterfowl, what kind of underwear you wear, whatever. Um, I've made a post on Facebook, so all you got to do is comment your question, leave your question below, and your phone number, and we're going to take, <clears throat> excuse me, we're going to take the best ones, and uh, we'll try to answer them on the air. It's a new wrinkle. We're going to try to add. We'll see how it goes. Anyways, go ahead, Call You got something else to say? I want to know one thing before I end. Andy? Yes, sir. Was you there when I give the motivational speech. I was. I was, I, I was uh, a freshman, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I, I remember that, and uh, <laughs> I'll never forget I was up there, and, of course, that was the first anything speaking that I had done. And I, I, I remember telling them, and I, I felt bad. I said, now, listen, boys, today you are the champions. Y'all are the king. Y'all are the king of Knox County. I said, don't let it in this weekend. I said, win that game. Of course, y'all were playing Petrolia. Petrolia. They were bad to the bone. Yeah. I said, don't let it in this weekend because, <laughs> like I say, Monday you might be slinging burritos at the awesome. And I got to think about it. I hope none of these folks' mamas work at awesome. <laughs> you know, we'd have beat anybody else in the state that year. Huh? We'd have beat anybody else in the oh, state. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I we beat Winthorst. We beat those, oh, those titty I'm twitchers. I remember a guy, told, a, team. a guy told me that year, he goes, uh, I guess after you spoke, I said, yeah, they had a guy come speak to him today, a motivational speaker, Clay Reed. I go, Clay Reed from Archer City? I said, yeah. I said, that's not the Clay Reed I remember when I was in high school. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's why it kind of threw me for a little. I said, now, wait a minute. I, I, my filter's about half broke sometimes. <laughs> no, what, you did a good job. I still remember it today. Yeah. We all huddled around you. I think it was cold that day. Yeah, you know, it was. Playing late in November. Damn, that was a good game, though. I mean, I mean, yeah. they, they were just unbelievable. Yep, Y'all they were. Had a, Awesome team, bad. They were. I told I told Wayne when he left, he took all the talent with him just much because we ain't had near the talent we had when we was eleven man. Andy's last eleven man year, we've had more talent we've had since then. Oh, yeah, y'all were loaded then. Small towns are just. I mean, there. You know, you look at all the small towns: Paducah, Chillicothe, uh, all these 
used to be our district. Yep. You know, yep. Knox City. Uh, Monday's hanging on by hair. I mean, just barely by the hair. And but every, about every four years, they have a lot of talent, and they go to state finals or a state championship game, and they win it, and so they forget about it. And then about it gets really bad again, yep. and then boom, they get in. I think it's the jobs are drying up out here. Yeah, I know it. And, and you know, the, the price of gas goes up. You can't hardly afford to be a bedroom right. community. That's no. what. That's the same with Archer City. You know, as close as we are, you know, we used to be a bedroom community of Wichita Falls. Right. People would move to Archer City, you know, because they wanted to stay small town school. Well, now they, they can't afford to do that anymore. Yeah. Gas up to almost $3 a gallon now. Yeah, exactly. It will be. Thank you, Clay. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. We're going to have to have you back on, and we can talk coyote hunting more. This oh, next yeah. Time. yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, it, absolute blast. Thank you so much for making the drive. What do you got, Jeff? Well, I appreciate you coming out. I've known Clay a long time. I thank everybody for listening to the Big Honker Podcast. This is a long one. Uh, I appreciate it, like I said, very much. We're growing leaps and bounds. Uh, keep listening. Keep sharing our podcast. Uh, looks up on Facebook at uh, Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. At worst, email us at www.stanfieldhunting.com. We got some. Op- we still have some openings. Goose hunting give uh, deal. We yeah, were we've about still got. Too. We're still doing that uh, goose hunting giveaway. All you got to do find the link on our Facebook, share it, and you'll be entered. It's a four man goose hunt in November. Bells and whistles, lodging meals, all that good stuff. So, be sure that you're uh, be sure that you're entering that. We forgot to mention it, and we're going to do it probably at the end of the month, right around the fourth of July, maybe. And I would like to thank our sponsor, Dive Bomb Decoys. They are the bomb. If you want to kill some geese and hunt over silhouettes, the easiest decoy in the, in the world to deal with. One guy can carry in five to ten dozen, no problem. It's Dive Bomb Decoys at divebombindustries.com. They've got a new, they've got a Sleeper Canada silhouette that's out of this world. They got Sandhill Crane silhouettes they've just come out with. They've got mallards. They've got the Canadas. They've got the snows. They got wind socks. Look them up at divebombindustries.com, and that's Dive Bomb Decoys. Have a good week, guys.